What's up, everybody? Welcome to Plot Chat episode 35. Crazy Frog? Yeah, it's Crazy Frog. Crazy Frog? Who's Crazy Frog? Yeah, I remember that. 2004. Was that even in the 2000s? Yeah. Johnny's definitely in touch with our fan base, you know? Restart. I, I bet him and Mitch have a Discord where they just recycle memes from like you know fucking years past. Mate, I what what did Mitch say during the cast? The recently? arrow to the knee, dude, and the, I was it, like, I was like, come wow. on, man. The That's arrow to the knee meme. was one of them, and there was another one that was on Junkertown. I remember specifically it was Junkertown. Can you remember that? I don't know. What? And he he made some joke, some reference. It was usually like a, when he makes a shitty meme, I usually call him out on it. It was such a boomer meme. <laughs> they fly over my head. I don't even understand what they are, so I just give up at times. Surely you know what Arrow to the Knee is. Yes, I yeah. know that one. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I was just watching. I was literally just catching up on the uh, on the final on the Shock Mayhem final, and Mitch kept saying things where I was like, I don't know. What he uses these big about. words, and I'm just like, that's fantastic. I'm no, like, I mean the big uh, words go over your head. It's the it's the mean yeah. jokes that go over my oh, head. Yeah, the, 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 do you, do you I think the big words go over the chat's head? I mean, all they can do is just fucking spam the same chips of shit over and over again. You think they they understand half of the words that are going on? Do, yep. do you shock. remember though? Yep, oh. shock. Yep, all they can spam is yep, shock, and put in chips. Uh. <laughs> do you remember during the cast, Josh, when I was about to go into? I actually think it was the finals, and I was about to start talking about Shaq versus Gorillas. It was the final <laughs> map of the finals. It was yeah. Junkertown. And then I caught I myself. Really tight defense. And Bren was like, I must make reference to Shaq versus Gorilla. <laughs> I caught myself. I caught myself. We didn't go into it. I did go did into you see it. That, did you see that someone on the Reddit thought that yeah. you had invented that conversation and it had leaked to RSMPA? <laughs> Wait, Really? Yeah, There's it was on NBA, yeah. Genuinely, there yeah. is a post on the competitive Overwatch subreddit that's something like, Bren's meme made it to our slash NBA. <laughs> <laughs> it's just them asking about shacks crossed with gorillas. Well, well that's what, what I, I was going to gonna, That's what I was gonna I, say, because I saw that on the NBA subreddit, and I genuinely thought, did somebody post that because of what I said in the cast? I think it's just a, it's just a, yeah. a, a meme that but pops it, up every now and then. It's a meme in... The Overwatch community, right? Oh, it's been around for years, man. Yeah. Has it? Yeah. As I love to the... Uh, I loved as well. I went back and I saw like a Reddit thread and they were like, yeah, Bren and Josh were great, but Bren kind of like goes off on these tangents sometimes. I'm like... Oh, are you new to Bren? I was like, that's what Bren does. I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, that's that's what Bren does. Like half the time we're talking about power rankings, you know, he's eating noodles yeah. or talking about anime bullshit. Like, yeah, that's kind of his thing. No, I wasn't happy about that finals cast though, because there was a couple of times where I almost slipped into the the the, the fuckery. Psycho Bren. Yeah, yeah the psycho. fuckery, you know? <laughs> and I, I'm like, it's not really, it's not good enough for a finals cast. Well, what opinion. I like, what I like though, is when you cast for long periods of time, you can see yourself like, like a surrender to the madness of it. Like every map, you get a little bit more loopy, it may, and it's like yeah. you just kind of become like this like weird figure after a while. Like, I was rewatching the vod for New York Shanghai at the yeah. at the start, and me and Josh are looking fresh. We're looking good. 
I looked, I looked chipper, and I watched the end of Soul Shanghai, and I looked like I have been on a drug binge for a week. <laughs> <laughs> like my hair is just disheveled. It's 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 a it's a mess. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we had sorry. to endure. We did have to endure many many C nines, and some absolutely ridiculous. So scenarios. did we. Uh, I know well, it ended you... at like seven a.m. Right? We yeah, ended, ended at we ended at seven thirty a.m. Yeah. Yeah. You had more C9s than we did, actually, in the end. Look at Brian. He literally looks like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks like, a, you know, when you go out and you just drink a little bit too much, but it doesn't hit you until you get home, and then you're just like, oh, yeah. fuck, I'm drunk. Like, that's what he looks like. He just got home, and he just figured <laughs> out that he's Josh, too drunk. Yeah. Do the sun's hit his face. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that is the sunrise on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I, left my, I left my window open, and that, that on the right-hand side of my face there, that is dawn. <laughs> that, is, that is the dawn. <laughs> I bet you, you the chat was like, oh, wow, the casters look tired. <laughs> Do you think they're tired? <laughs> I also, I, I, I pull up, because we don't have the desk for, yeah. the, uh, for the half times, I pull up plays, right? And yeah. for some reason, I don't know why, we used to make it full screen. I don't know if it's a te technical now it's limitation. Box, right? now, now it's just in my box, which I don't yeah. really understand why that happened. But all right, I'll, I'll give production a pass. They've got a, they've got a bunch of different stuff to work on. But that means that Bren's face is up the entire time during those segments <laughs> as well. And he is, I never realized that this was a thing before, because I don't rewatch the bod like during the halftime <laughs> and, and it's just Bren sat there like mm, yes very good <laughs> and then he just kind of toddles around on his chair a little bit he goes for a spin he looks at the camera and wiggles his eyebrows all while I'm trying to make a serious point about the positioning of these oh my lord no, I mean what uh, else am I supposed to do Dude, uh, dude, somebody somebody was like uh I, I saw a thing on reddit they were like oh you know matt, matt seems super uh you know he's he's not as hyped for the asian games i just don't think he likes casting them i'm like well, it's like 5 a.m i can't scream my yeah. neighbor's right here i was like i'm not i was like i'm not annoyed i actually like those games a lot i was yeah. like i was like i was like but maybe just take it to the fact that you know we all don't live in big houses like bren right and you can yeah. just scream and yeah, yeah i mean bren i mean even if bren lived in an apartment with somebody like kurt he wouldn't give a fuck about kurt's feelings too, just <laughs> anyway. yeah bren's like bren, that. Bren, yeah that's how bren is yeah uh, no, very I, I, selfish well, bren, bren, will the, the, bren will fuck the kitchen up and then ask you why it's not clean <laughs> <laughs> i was actually i was making pancakes for my birthday because it's like a little a little tradition in my family that we we do that oh and that's cute it's very cute. It's very cute. I, yeah, I make yeah. a mean crepe, uh, Matt. But I, I was, balloons too. And I, I actually ordered balloons from Ralph's, but they didn't have any yeah. balloons, so I ordered a water balloon, and I was going to uh, put it on the end of a string. Do you <laughs> but, still sit? In, uh, do you still sit in like a, a baby chair and eat the pancakes as well? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, I was making them, and I was reminded of just the d absolute mess our Altana kitchen was in after we <laughs> made pancakes. Uh, Beth has a picture on our phone, uh, a video on her phone of uh, us just throwing pancakes around the apartment after we came home drunk one night. Just absolute scenes. <laughs> uh, that. that I've never, I've never felt more like I, I, I don't, you can't really feel bad for a structure like a building or like a room. But I just remember <laughs> when I when I helped Johnny get stuff for that apartment and then showed up and just the cardboard boxes and just like the chaos. Oh my god! I had, I had never felt. I, I, I've never had this emotion. Ever. I felt 
bad for the physical space of the room. Like, I felt like <laughs> it was just being disrespected. Like, obviously, the room has no emotion, that no was... feeling. But I just felt horrible. It, it, it was smelled this like went crap. On for it was just, months. yeah, it this was... went on for months. As we moved in in like January or something. And because we just moved to America, we had to order so much shit from Amazon. And so we just have all of these cardboard boxes. <laughs> and month after month, we just stack up. Oh. And I'd be like, we have to throw this shit away. Like, it's taking up like, the entire nah, the content it's for the content Brennan Sideshow insisted until like April or May just like no we need to build a cardboard castle in our <laughs> living room and it's gonna be sick content it's gonna be a castle of cardboard and then they wanted an RV trip in like June and I said fuck these guys when they're not here I'm just gonna take it all out and I just throw away all the cardboard well, I remember I mean what we can go we can talk about Overwatch after this this is pretty funny but like it was like you <laughs> It was like two months in. I'm taking Johnny to go get stuff, and he picks up a garbage like a, a bin. And I was like, "Well, what do you need a garbage bin for? Like, you guys have been living there for three months." He's like, "Oh, we don't have one." I was like, "So, <laughs> so what happens to your garbage?" He's like, "Oh, it's just kind of like around." I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> just put it in grocery bags, you know? And then, yeah, yeah, we just had a big bag, I think. Oh, yeah, Lord. Oh yeah. my God. This weekend was fun, though, right? Yeah, yeah the main got it. Oh, I actually shit. did think that this this weekend inspired a lot. Oh, not inspired, but it, it got everyone positive loving vibes, Overwatch dude. again. Positive vibes. I mean, how could you not, though, right? Off, yeah. off of yeah. the back of, like, this weekend. Tournaments are just fantastic for storylines over the course of a weekend. Um, you get to follow, like, a team. It's good for the fans of the game. You get to see upsets, rivalries are born. Um I think I'm developing a speech impediment because I said rivalries. There's so much. There's just... that drinking problem coming back, Brian. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, well, sure. I'm also going to try and eat this little snack. Do you know what this yeah. is called, Josh? Uh, I don't know what it's called, but I know what it is, and it's absolutely delicious. It's yeah. a savory snack. It's like a it's Japanese in herbs. savory well, snack. It's just exciting to see, like, to know that somebody is going to, like, win like a whole event, right? Yeah. Like uh, we've all been involved in these sports for a really long time. And like uh, games and groups don't really like feel the same way than like an actual bracket play and like regular seasons. Like I've done a bunch now, obviously the owl ones and then the call of duty ones. Like uh, there's just something different about it, right? Like, you yeah. know, the regular season yeah. games, knowing there's a tournament coming in like, uh, you know, two, three, four weeks is okay. But when you don't have like a big tournament and a big payoff, uh, you know, for months, that's when it becomes kind of a, a yeah, drag. Lost in the sauce. Yeah, yeah. And that, that that was one of the main things I asked all the players when they came a watch point and picked their opponents. I was like, did the mindset change anything going into the tournament? And they were all like, yeah, we took practice way more seriously because like yeah. this is it. This is where you can really make your reputation and like you will be crowned a champion and you'll actually earn a placing. You don't really get that week to week. So everyone just took it way more seriously. They were invested. I really do think bringing on the players to watch point and having them pick their opponents. Yeah, that was awesome. Even oh, yeah. though, you know, some people not the spiciest in the world, but it added <laughs> some level of personality and we got some yeah. great moments out of that. So of yeah. course added to the atmosphere, it was just great. I, so, I also think just being able to pick your opponent is a really cool facet for a tournament like this. Even if even if we didn't hear from the players, or even if they were all really bland, yeah, it's just awesome. understanding w where the teams rate each other is really interesting too. Like yeah. uh, for the North American bracket, some of the picks did not go how I was expecting them to go. 
you know, like uh, the the mayhem just coming out there and picking out Lanta immediately. That yeah. that I think was a, a really interesting one. Um, and, I just and even the first round as well. How forwardly like disrespectful it is the the whole concept of picking your opponent. Like we yeah. we're gonna pick these guys because we think they suck or we think they're the worst out of these other yeah. group. Like that immediately like. Like if you're the team that gets picked, like you immediately have some kind of issue with the team that picked you, right? Yeah. Like there's some yeah. kind of extra, extra emphasis there on that. So that's like, I really love that. Especially if you get upset then when you had picked your oh, opponent. Yeah. That's amazing because it's like we you you had the opportunity to choose out of a bunch of people who you wanted to play and you yeah. still lost. Like that's it's like when I got ironically beef with the Paris Eternal social media person. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it actually is. Like, that's exactly what it is. You know, Paris first... Didn't they first pick Boston, Boston yeah, Uprising? Yeah, I think so. They first picked the Boston Uprising, and then yeah. uh, I posted a tweet. Mm. I don't know if you can pull this up, Kurt. It's maybe go through the Paris Eternal's replies, but try and find <laughs> their reply to me <laughs> over... I don't, I don't know why I'm bringing this up again, but let's let's renew the beef. Let's relight it. It's fine. Some things just stick to your mind. And yeah, I've got to get this off my chest out. because... Yeah. Who the fuck is this brand who thinks they can talk to me like this, huh? <laughs> okay, All there right? are a few ways to handle this, Bren. Is that the path you want to go down? Bren's Silence, just on his brand. ivory tower. <laughs> Silence. Just, just can throw his shots however he feels like at the Paris Eternal. Mind well, it's, you, it's, it's just, it felt you, you weird to me. You picked Paris Eternal to win the league. All right, here we go. A so, few uh, episodes ago, you picked him to win the whole yeah. thing. Now, now you're in a beef with them? Well, no, I, I got beef with the social media person. Shit moves uh, fast for Brennan Hook. He yeah, yeah. Enemies and allies like that. So I was trying to set up storylines for this match, you know, like any good commentator would. Because the Paris Eternal versus the Boston Uprising, it, it was it was looking like Boston were going to reverse sweep them, right? Yeah, during that match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're one map away. And I was like, let's set the scene for everybody who's like following Twitter. They first picked them thinking Boston were the easiest of the four. Because why else would you first pick a team if you didn't think they were going to give you your best chance of success? Right? Yeah, man, I just like, hate Boston, mate. Really sick, really good. Ah, oh, maybe they do just hate Boston. But then the Paris <laughs> yeah. Eternal responds with, "Nobody said Boston is the easiest to four. But I was like, okay, um, you guys kind of did by first picking them, and then uh, I, I think they followed up by saying, uh, "Watch Nine K's interview." Yeah, but I, I don't, I can't even remember what Nine K said. But it can't no, have been Nine K said, the, "Oh, it's because we haven't played them yet." I, I mean, think. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, mate, sorry, no one. This that's not how this works. Like, you don't give the actual reasoning in a broadcast interview as to why you've picked an opponent. Uh, and I silenced the brand. I ratioed them. So, you know, job <laughs> okay. done. Whoa. Well, that, pat that, on the back. are you still picking them to win the whole league now? Well, I think they could still win the whole league. <laughs> like, especially because Sparkle's going to be coming in and playing. Sparkle is playing. He's in America right now. Like yeah, that's actually, the, the issues that's actually huge. But yeah. the, here's the thing. We have two weeks of downtime. We have so many things that we could talk about. We're halfway through the league. But I, I feel like we should set up some expectations for the viewers today because we're not going to be doing yes. a mega episode today because we have three weeks to spread it out between. Yeah. So yeah. there's the, like the whole sparkle discussion <laughs> to talk about, mid-season awards, like all of this kind of stuff we could do and we will do, but not, yeah. not this week. Yeah. Right. This why, week is... why should we give you guys a longer episode this week when we can bang you guys with ads for three weeks on medium <laughs> long episodes? <laughs> so stay well, Brent, tuned. I, I, I feel like this. If 
you you are the representation of Paris Eternal on this podcast. Yeah, I don't you feel are. good about moving on from this situation like this. I feel like we need yeah. to solve this somehow and what maybe it, no, listen, include the I don't have No, no, Bren. I I need to know from you how we move on from this. Are you expecting an apology? Are you going to be the bigger man? What, what are we What are we doing here? I don't want. I don't want an apology. I should apologize to Paris. I don't want an apology. I want a name. A name. We can't dox a social media manager. All I want. All I want is a name. I want to know who who is managing the social media. Why do they have beef with me in particular? I, I hope they do have beef with you. Yeah, maybe yeah. They, maybe they were just having a bad day. You know, you know what gonna... needs to happen? I hope the Paris Eternal send all of us gear and merch and just leaves Brent out in the dust. <laughs> I, bro, I'm good for it, baby. I got that Ambox plug. I got the Ambox plug. Oh yeah, I, I got the Save Your Jacket. Yeah, that's fine. I'm wearing it right now. I would not want to be a social media person for a team because every time you're looking at that Twitter feed and someone ats Paris Eternal, lol, you guys suck. You're about to lose to Boston. It's just incoming hatred towards your yeah. your yeah. your phone. You know, I lit uh, Paris literally tagged me and Kosti in a tweet this past weekend. First reply was, "Who the hell asked?" I was like, "That's well, <laughs> okay then." I well, yeah, that's, it is brutal Chill. being a social media manager, but. I feel like people don't grow up as kids aspiring to be social media managers, you know? Why? You don't think? I think what? they do now. They Maybe do you did yeah. because social media wasn't a thing. But people definitely exist. do now. Yeah. To yeah. be a social That's a media job. Yeah, what are you doing here, Bren? You're Now you started with Paris, and now you start a war against all <laughs> social, social media, media managers, managers out there. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like, it's... it's. I think uh, when people look at it from the outside... Owl, every time Owl Social tweets you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Bro, this. Bro, let me talk. Yeah, let me talk. Time. Let me state my case. Let me state my case. I feel like... Okay. When people look from the outside in, they're probably like, oh, all I do is tweet all day. It's, it's easy. But the actual job itself is quite difficult because you're constantly sure. getting sh shit talked from anonymous faces online and you can't clap back because you are representing a brand. Yeah. You sometimes yeah. can if you represent like Wendy's or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a rough job out there, you know? Yeah. If well, I'm having a kid and, and they say, yeah, when I grow up, I want to be managing the Microsoft Twitter. What? You're saying people don't want to do it because it's hard. I think it's just a very unthankful job. Yeah. Okay. I, I think sometimes it can be amazing. Like the Florida Mayhem, for example, have a really sick content creation team and their social has been really good for a while now. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the stuff that they produce. Like, did you see the, um, the hype video that they had for the main melee, mm -hmm. the, which was Yaki? Um, what's, what is the anime? You're the anime person. I don't fucking know. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's same Naruto. My Hero Academia. No, it wasn't. Naruto. That, was it? it was the Naruto. Goku, it was the yes, tournament dude. arc where Goku. Avatar, um, the Last Rock, Rock Lee, I think his name is, takes off the training weights. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. yeah, that it's was not Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Pokemon, bro. <laughs> yeah. And Yaki actually did take off the training weights. That guy slapped. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, so here's the thing. Lose. Kurt is going to mold because we've given him the topics and we need to do them in order. <laughs> we've jumped so, around all over the place. Okay. This is what happens the host. Let's start from the top. Uh, yeah, it's my fault because he's been going <laughs> off track so much. Let's start from the top. The, the San Francisco shock. Where's Johnny going? I, he's, he's given up he's, with your host. He's fed up with you, yeah. Oh, he's turning the air conditioning. Look at those, look at those oh. little legs as well. Look nope. at those white stalks. Yeah. What's he doing? Vodka. He's just getting pure no, he's, vodka. He's pouring uh -huh. the gin out. <laughs> Is that gin? For the last time Johnny had gin on this podcast, he blew everyone's eardrums out. Yeah. 
<laughs> People were what? asking for Johnny to fix his audio, then they asked Kurt to turn it off the next episode. <laughs> what? What's happening? You poor gin? There's just some alcohol, mate. <laughs> Where were we? Anyway, were we? the San Francisco Shock have taken the win in the North American bracket. Now, in our power rankings last week, did we have Philadelphia Fusion as number one? No. Mm, I don't think really? so. Are you sure? No, I don't. I, I think we did. Shock, number one. Well, we maybe did, but we all predicted Shock to win. We did we, all predict Shock to win. We might we have said that winning. Philly had like more evidence to be the top team because they were mm. at the top, but we all predicted yeah. the Shock to actually here's, win. Here's our, here's our power rankings. Right. Yeah. Well, what's uh? I mean, uh, what? No, I think those are vast. I think they got the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. We definitely put Chuck number one. Yeah. So like checkpoint XP's uh, uh, <laughs> rankings or whatever. Yeah, yeah, those are ours. Those definitely are ours. Uh, the shock, you know, they win. Uh, it's not exactly like a, the finals wasn't exactly like a dominant fashion, right? Uh, but I think that kind of speaks more to how good I think Florida's become as a team. Yeah. But. Uh, I just think like the difference between the shock and the other teams right now. I mean, we were talking a little bit before, but like the support core of like Violet and Moth is so good that oh, yeah. I I'm almost a little bit concerned that they try and play Twilight sometimes and it like fucks it all up. Like the those two guys it are so be. good together and like they whether it's like Moth playing Zen and Violet on Batiste, like any combination, they're just nuts. I feel like that was the biggest difference in the finals for me. Not really uh I, I thought Ons came up with some big plays at moments. Uh, Rascal, obviously extremely good. Uh, I thought the support line for the Shock was just well, massive. Yeah. I think, uh, Johnny, you said during one of the game breaks, and it resonated with me, uh, I think it was you talking about Ons, Ans, however you want to pronounce his name. Anson? Um, yeah, about him being a... Like, he's a, f a phenomenal player, but he's not, is, he doesn't need to be a, I don't know if this was you that said this, but the point was that Anz is an amazing player, but he doesn't need to be amazing on the shock because the rest of his team are that good as well. That if he I don't just, know if I said that, mate. I'm I'm gonna okay. Maybe I wasn't. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But, don't uh, don't don't quote me on that one, Reddit. But I, was... I think this is the difference maker between shock is that they can play every. They can they can play at such a high level, and they don't need an individual to pop off. Do you know what I mean? Like some teams, yeah. like Philadelphia, need a player like Carpe to pop off sometimes to compete at some of the highest levels because the rest of the team's pieces sometimes fall short of the mark. But the San Francisco Shock, you can always count on just almost everyone on the team performing consistently well. Yeah, and what I thought, I think what actually won the San Francisco Shock this series was their mid-game adaptations, was their strategy as well. Because when yeah. you really think about, if you try and weigh it up on paper, like did the tank line of the shock perform a lot better than the mayhem tank line no, no i wouldn't say so did the dps line no i wouldn't say mm. so either no. did the support line yeah like yeah i think the violet had quite a lot more impact than chris actually but gangnam jin was really good throughout the series as well so i don't think it was any on paper performance or not even on paper but individual performance to push them over the edge i think the the they adapted very well to the play style of the florida mayhem yeah and absolutely they, 
they put rascal on the on the top a bit more they tightened it up they they actually something that i was noticing towards the end of this series was that at the beginning of the series ants was getting picked off a lot he was getting harassed by yaki he was getting he really couldn't do anything on the ash and then later on in the series they were playing him almost like a mccree they were playing like yeah. death ball with ash and he was hip firing a lot just to have just to stick with his team and avoid getting caught out by the tracer so that he continued to provide that support for the rest of them and yeah i assume that that's crusty helping to make these mid-game adaptations and he just continues to help this team become amazing even yeah. in a even in a system uh, where you can't be 100 percent polished i also think in a in a series like this the the map picks were extremely important in yeah. terms of uh you know, yeah picking, i wanted to picking the correct maps and whatnot like uh we were talking a little bit about it during the cast but you could clearly tell when the shock were picking maps like it was maps that geared towards more of a verticality like not as uh tracer yeah. heavy uh where they were able to play like look at valskaya to pick right like that is strictly a like you can play torb on defense very effectively on that map widowmaker yeah. as well like point b tracer is not incredible because there aren't that many flanking routes for her to go to a lot of like verticality like the the maps that the shock got to pick all kind of trended towards you know, eliminating the effects of tracer play. Yeah, uh, and, that was and, and that's, I think, why the yeah. final map ended up being so pivotal because you can either pick really between King's Row or Hollywood there for your yes. hybrid map, right? And both of those are not tracer maps. And so the Florida Mayhem, even though it was their map pick, they were at a disadvantage well, really no matter which way they went. Yeah, I, I mean, without tooting my own horn too much, I'm really happy how we talent sort of emphasize the importance of Torbjorn and how the map picks affected the gameplay. Like, I, I feel like we were able to tell the viewer what was important throughout the grand final. And I think we set it up really well because it mattered so much about the maps and how it played with the compositions. We knew that San Francisco Shock countered the Tracer with the Torbjorn and you could see it so well, like it played out yeah. perfectly. With Blizzard World, like how San Francisco was struggling to get to point A because Yaki hit these nice angles and San Francisco were playing so passive. And then they picked World Sky Industries and the Torbjorn location, Ans Widowmaker. Like, it, it was a magical series because it played out in such a magical way. Um, and we can, t like, we're, we're not, yeah. okay, so we talked about how we're going to have future episodes talking about other stuff. So I don't want to talk about hero pools and formats for too long. Also not the place to do it here. But I think that Lucius pick and all of this, it just made for a fantastic finals yeah. where you could see the play styles and the strategy really flourish well, in such an amazing way because Torbjorn pick was super important. And then as you progress throughout the series, it gets closer and closer and you have less maps to pick and you go to Hollywood and it's hard to force the tracer really. Yeah. And so you have this situation where the the maps become more and more even throughout the series yeah. because the map advantages become less and less and it just made for a great hollywood to really top things where, out where the so. mayhem lose this series is lee shang tower like although they they end up you know falling at the end in hollywood where they really lose it is lee shang yeah like if and they, it was if such they win, a sickly jung and as it well. was and it was really close and they were close. playing and they were playing the may reaper extremely effectively if they win if they win lee Zhang, they have a, a good chance to win and, 
the entire I think thing here. Specifically, Night Market as well. When you yes. go back and look at Li Zhang, you look at Night Market and you say that the Ash Echo was not an effective strategy to run against the uh, May Symmetra, I, I, I think, which is what the Shock were running. And they also kind of get uh, they also kind of get bowed by the randomness of the first map, like Nepal. Uh, you think about Nepal as like a, a, a map in general, and then the two points that they got. Uh, they got village, and then they got the uh, the indoor one, where tracers is just not really effective in either of yeah. them. Like uh, village, you play a lot of like you know May with the sim on the points. You can play a lot yeah. of death ball. Tracers not fantastic there, and then uh, you know with the Torbjorn pick, uh, you know with the pit of death. I mean that one you can go back and watch it, but Florida had no offense on there whatsoever because they can never access the back line because they couldn't play the tracer. Yeah. So they kind of get like. Like you, you would have obviously never known, but like if like a map like Oasis or something like that is first, where Oasis is pretty good for Tracer and like numerous yeah. uh, maps, like Nepal, they really kind of get owned, especially with the draw of those two points back to back. I've yeah. got a question for all of you. Yeah. With Mayhem making the finals here and the, how they've been steadily improving over the course of the season, does this put Kuki in the same sort of area when we think of coaches who are very impactful? Like packing ten, crusty, nine uh, k. Does it put him in the same sort of range? I'm as, as going these? to say something. This might be a hot take here, wow. but I think it's hard in the Overwatch scene to really get a lot of insight as to how much the coaches actually do. And I think that's it, it's not someone's fault, but I think that's a bad part about the scene. I think we should have way more content emphasizing on what the coaches provide and how they coach and the different coaching styles because we lack insight as to how much impact they actually do. And so it's hard for us to assess their reputation. I want to go out there and say that Krusty has some of the best insight in the game or maybe he has an incredible way of like boosting morale. Like, But like the truth is like we don't have a ton of insight. So I personally feel like I don't have too much insight about who, how Kuki coaches his team. Yeah. So you just kind of have to speak for their results. And I think that's a bit of a flaw in well, how the Overwatch scene works. I, I think you can say this, though, about Kuki, is that he is in a position that really no other head coach in the league is, is that he was just playing in the league. Like, if there's uh, you know one coach you can offer a lot of insight on you know, what he's seen from other players, also what he's seen you know, playing even against some of his own players, right? Uh, there's and no working the system can... around Faith as yes. well, who is the main caller, who he's played with previously and studied right. underneath. So, so, yeah. so there's, I think, from like a uh, a scouting perspective, being able to build a team and being able to put the players and in a position that can make them effective. I think on a week to week basis, that's massive advantage having a player like Kugi. And and I would say that the. As much as you're right, Jonathan, and we don't 100% know what goes on inside any of these teams, and I've never um, heard really much about how Kuki coaches, it does seem like there's been a large improvement in the in the Florida Mayhem. Oh, yeah. Even sure. just this season. And the yeah. way that they play is not a scrappy style. Even though Yaki does go crazy with the Tracer and there's a lot of individuality to their play style, it's not very loose. It's not very sloppy. It's quite tight. It's quite coordinated. Very fundamental. Yeah, all around the halts, all around positioning, about you know pushing in at the right times and opening up that space for Yaki and BQB. So they do seem like a very well-oiled machine. And I've got to credit the coaches there because it seems unlikely that that comes all from the players, right? It oh, seems yeah. like the coaching staff is going to do quite a bit of that. So yeah, I think, I think Brendan, 
Kuki should be considered up there. And I would love yeah. to get more information about it mm. and maybe hear from uh, Albert Ye as well, who's the general manager, and maybe he can give us some insight for us uh, non-Korean speaking audience as to what the what Kuki's role is and the how he yeah. uh, Kuki's done with this team because they they have made enormous improvements. I yeah. mean, just enormous improvements yeah and taken uh, players that have previously been quite mediocre and made them look spectacular yeah dude people were calling fate washed up yeah like yeah. legit they were like dude his career's over same with like bqb like he wasn't a spectacular yeah he was player, okay. but like people were like calling for chopping heads and here they are and i tweeted out i i just think it speaks to the perseverance yeah. of the organization for believing in these players and like you gotta give well, a lot of credit to players when they improve like this and the coaching staff and the organization totally props dude i mean it, for the first two seasons it was an organization that was uh you know maybe a hair a bit better than the shanghai dragons who didn't win a game year one uh yeah, it was not, terrible you know not <laughs> and uh and they're not exactly in a great spot, but they, they make a tremendous adjustments. I think it really kind of started towards the second half of last year when you bring in Gargoyle and you bring in yeah. a few of the uh, other additions. I mean, the, the last quarter, right? Like stage three, they like were the still dreadful. Yeah. Like, like, so. yeah, but it was almost like, uh, like you know, stage four, right? Like them and the Justice started to like uh, show a pulse a little bit. Like they were like yeah. their hearts were beaten. Like, you know, they were actually like a living uh, team within the league. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they turned uh, where uh, yeah, up until that point they weren't, uh, and I think they used that as a launching fence. Yeah, but even then, there's a lot of credit to be given to the the mayhem uh, structure for recognizing what was good internally and building upon that. Because the justice and the mayhem were in very similar positions at the yes. end of last year, and the justice have gone. Well, I and mayhem have gone all the, the way up. I thought the justice were on the right track. I thought they were. Uh, I thought they were. But then they absolutely were not. I mean, I didn't even think they were, actually. I thought that their, their pieces didn't make any sense apart from Corey. <clears throat> Corey I thought and that Stratus that, made sense, yeah. Their support line and their tank line didn't make any sense. They should have but, really restructured that. But then I also thought the same about the Mayhem. I thought that the Mayhem should also restructure more of their players. And they didn't. They they believed yeah. in them. So if you look it, at the, it comes down to identification yeah. of Look at the comments uh, things from when the Florida's roster got announced this year. I guarantee you a lot of them is just a, a whole bunch of who megalol, you know? It, it, it's When you look at that, I don't mean that in the sense of like people wouldn't know who they are from name value, but it, you look at teams like Philly, you've got Carpe as your star player. You look at teams like the Shock, they've got, I don't know, Rascal, Striker, Ons now as these star yeah. players. Florida, everyone looked at this team not really a star player in sight, one would argue. No, I mean, I wouldn't say that, though. We mm. thought that Yaki might be a Rookie of the Year candidate. We just didn't know he would be. We didn't know he would be. We just thought okay. that he might sure, be sure. a Rookie but, of the but, Year candidate. But I, don't, I, would, I mean, I personally have never set up that kind of storyline at the start of the league. I didn't. Maybe that's on me. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else in the talent team uh. did. When we were talking about power rankings early season, we said that the mayhem would have an outside shot of making top ten and sneaking into the playoffs. Yeah, okay. But nobody no expected one, them to be this good. Yeah. No one thought yeah. it would be this good. Uh, I mean, I will personally admit that you know sometimes I have said things about players <laughs> and ended up being wrong, and it's like that. It, it's like in the opinion business, though, you can't just go back and retract statements all the time. You have to sort of assess based on the information you're given yeah. and then say sort of like what you can. And then people can prove you wrong. People can improve. And I think that's the case with Florida Mayhem. But also, 
to give an example of what I mean is a player like Sado. Because Sideshow, you can talk about all you want, how you were invested in this guy for like <laughs> over a year. But the fact of the matter is that his Reinhardt in GOATS, I just don't think he was up to par. The difference though, like where it all changes, is where he improves as a player and makes a bit of a glow up and actually like becomes a fantastic Reinhardt. And that's where you have to give props to the Philadelphia Fusion management for sticking with Sado, for believing in Sado, and then for him making that happen. Yeah, and that he... just makes for an incredible storyline. Yeah. But at the time, things were not looking good for Sado. And so it yeah. just well, makes the storyline sure. even more I, impressive. It's, it's, about it's about identifying potential within yeah. a player and then realizing that potential. Yeah. And some players, they have potential, and it never gets realized. It just gets totally squandered. It's yeah. lost, yeah. and the team ends up shitting the bed. Some players don't have potential, but people think they do. And you overcommit you can, to them, and they go yeah. really far down. There, I mean, there are many examples where we praise a player and be like, oh, his time is coming. His time is coming. And it never comes. But when yeah. those players, when those players fulfill their potential, that's where you have to recognize that and yeah. give them credit I'll for it. I'll just add, yeah. I think when a team is not performing well, I think the main tank is the first role to yeah. the worst. And the one that people often call for replacements with, um, when usually that's not the case, I think it's the one role that can, it can look the worst and look the best depending on how your team's performing. Yeah. But talking about Sado, I mean, that puts us nicely onto our next point, which is going to be the Philadelphia Fusion getting upset in the, uh, in the semis. Uh, a little yeah. bit, uh, a little bit disappointing, some would say. Uh, we had high expectations of Philadelphia Fusion, but falling short in a playoff run. I think what you saw with Philly was really kind of, it was like, I, I think the, the biggest thing is like, you look at the Philly game against Florida and you look at the shock game against Florida and just the adjustments that the shock makes is the difference between these types of yeah. teams. Yeah. Is that like Philly just kind of, preparation. yeah, but I think though with your Philly though, you've been just kind of like out muscling people for so long. You just figured like, all right, well, we'll just keep throwing our shit at the wall. It's eventually going to work. Right? Like we've just been beating everybody and they were not able to hang in that type of matchup where yeah. i think i think almost philly just needed to show a little bit more respect to what florida was doing and making work and make those hard adjustments that and that's the thing though they go into busan they start out on busan and they're running like uh ash widowmaker comps against yaki's tracer with no 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 hint of respect for yaki's tracer whatsoever and to start out your uh your strategy that doesn't make any sense to me and they they lose Busan immediately they they knew that florida mayhem had just whomped on the atlanta rain by running uh like a bunch of may tracer and ash tracer kind of compositions and you could see even in that semi-final uh in that quarterfinal sorry where the mayhem won that yaki was a beast and you needed to do something you needed to have a plan and we all thought that the plan would be to run carpet on the tracer and try and yeah, check him. Run him in the and it seemed like the they, the Florida uh, the Philadelphia Fusion seemed to come into their match and scramble like they didn't under, they didn't prepare at all. It was so weird to watch. Matt, yeah. you're you muted. Too, oh yeah, sorry, because I was opening the door for you. Go. Uh, you think some of the stuff too that we saw from earlier in the season from Philly, uh, you know, Carpe had a really sick Torbjorn, right? I think we were joking around like his yeah. Torbjorn was like crazy. Like they could have played Torb Ash, right? 
Well, why couldn't they have done it? They just seemed to not go to those types of compositions. There were a few times yeah. where they went with the Tracer matchup and Carpe was able to get the best of Yaki, but you could tell that it was not a style that they were really comfortable also, playing. Also, enormous choke on Hanamura. On Hanamura, when they're attacking and they don't manage to complete just the point A, when they, they, they got it in bits and pieces and it falls to bits and they're, they're rotating, they massively overinvest their ultimates to try and secure it on a fight where they, they should just reset and they're just always trying to clutch things and they end up getting full held on Hanamura. That's, that's the kind of thing that's going to haunt the, the fusion as well because that absolutely should have been a win if they were, um, if they were ready for what Florida was playing. Yeah. Would you say that they looked ill-prepared or do you I think it felt more on player mistakes throughout uh, the series? I... In a weird way, I almost want to say neither, because like uh, they prepared for what everybody else was basically doing. The only team that wasn't really doing that quite often is Florida. Uh, Florida was really the only team that was running like a ton of Tracer 76, like Tracer Ash types of things. Like when you look at Philly's comps, it's pretty much standard of what everybody else played the whole weekend. Yeah, uh, they just was. never they just never backed away from it. Like they uh, they just think, fully believed that they thought the composition was better than what Florida was throwing at them. I think when you Philly are going to look back on this, this is going to be probably the catalyst for some well, I hope greater changes in the team because they've always been a team that relies on their individual players to really pop off sometimes to get the wins and I don't put them in the same class as a team like the Shock who have just the pure fundamentals down to a T where yeah. they can go into a scenario and you can you can put the shock you can put the core shock roster into a scenario against a team with this many ultimates in this setup and they'll understand roughly speaking how to solve this problem in front of them whereas it feels like Philadelphia are a team I don't know if you guys agree with me but it feels like they're a team that like to brute force their way through a lot yeah, of these engagements. For sure. Well, there, there's also there's also probably a part of it where Philly watched Florida play Atlanta the day before, and 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 Florida wins the series three one. But that series is very close. Uh, Busan is two one. Hollywood is three two. Anubis is four three. Uh, you know the only real blowouts like Junkertown at the end. Where Philly probably saw that and was like, oh, well, you know, they're barely getting by Atlanta with this type of stuff. We can probably just roll with it and just play what we play. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. But I would say that the maps in the Florida Atlanta series were much better for like to counter Florida. And that, and yes. I think map pick also comes into it, which is why the, why I'm kind of on the side of it being okay, they were generally well-prepared for the tournament, but they were badly counter-strategizing against their specific yeah, opponent, sure. which was the, the Florida Mayhem. Because to, I think that picking Watchpoint Gibraltar, they just tried to mirror the Soldier Tracer then. And that, to me, doesn't make sense either. When you have the, when you have the choice to go for um, uh, the, the other maps in the pool that are less able... <sighs> For you Yaki like to, to have like carried performances, town? yeah, I think so. I mean, Florida are pretty good at Junkertown as well, though. That's the that's the yeah. other thing. But... <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> but I mean, Junkertown at least you give yourself an opportunity to get Carpe on Widow and let him win you game against like BQB, just like turn up, right? Yeah, yeah. I I just 
they they didn't look prepared for me when you open with ash widowmaker against a team that has a carry tracer and has been playing tracer the entire time that implies that you have done no specific preparation against your opponent it just doesn't make sense and Was then also shrine uh it was uh, i can't even remember the names of the busan matches they rolled out the lucio moira and i was like lucio moira that might go pretty poorly and yeah. Then yeah i just remember on on um on shrine of busan like carpe and ivy just flexed like damage heroes throughout yeah. the entire round and like well, Ivy Tracer, yeah. Carpe Tracer. I was like, Carpe was running Widowmaker on Mecha Base to open. Like, you've got to treat your opponents with more respect than that. Who the fuck runs Widowmaker on Mecha Base? It doesn't Happy. make sense. Happy in the Guangzhou charge, dude. They've <laughs> yeah. done it. Yeah. The, you pull the Carpe Widowmaker out if the dude wants to clutch. You don't open up a semi final with that as if it's your best strategy. It doesn't make sense. You've got to tighten. Okay. You've got to pull these players' reins in a little bit. You can't just have them. I don't, they can't I don't mind a Widowmaker that range. much. Really? Against, the, against when you know that you're playing against Yaki on Tracer. Uh, what, well, what that's, I, I think you're probably downplaying a little bit of the coaching staff or maybe the preparation that Philly put into us. I think maybe they had a game plan to try and keep Yaki in check that didn't revolve around matching them and with DPS, but it probably just fell to pieces. Well, I, it definitely fell to pieces. It right. was completely non-existent as far as I can yeah. tell. I don't know what the plan was. They started with Lucio Moira, so maybe they were just hoping that Yaki would go for the back line. But if the Widowmaker's there, they're just going to go for the Widow. I, I don't know. It, it didn't make sense to me. Also, I thought that Fury played better than Poco. This is one of the few series mm. where I've thought there was a large difference, actually, between which off-tank was fielded for the uh, Philadelphia Fusion. I wonder I thought if the Fury was much we better at being able to help uh, shut down the Tracer. I wonder if we see second half of the year, we see them kind of solidify that between Fury and Poco, because they seem to just kind of be bouncing back and forth. And then even between like Kisu, Ivy, EQO, like some type of consistency amongst you know, the damage dealers. Yeah. Yeah. I Look mean, I have this theory bonkers. and I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to claim that it's like, I'm not going to claim that it's like the truth or like preaching. But I just felt like Philadelphia Fusion were great at adapting throughout this season. But when it came to the actual like peak level, like matching a team like the San Francisco Shock, it's so hard because you have to feel your best players and play at your best compositions and like really give it all. And when you're swapping away with so many substitutions, like it's hard to reach that peak synergy and peak level. I mean, when you look at a team like San Francisco, all of those players are like in sync with an idea and they didn't make like barely any swaps. It was mainly just like Super and Smurf throughout the finals, right? So like it's much easier to sort of nail that synergy when you're sticking to that rotation. While Philadelphia, I mean, I think they've had some great strategies throughout the year and they've been great at adapting and I've been really impressed by that. Um, but I, I feel like there's another level for Fusion. And when they hit that next level with their player roster, holy shit, we're taking it to the next level. But I, like, I'd love to see them play more. There. I'd love to see them play more Ivy and more Fury. I thought uh, Ivy at the beginning of the year when we were seeing him pretty consistently was really yeah. uh, performing well. Uh, we know what he can do on like things like May, things like Soldier 76, etc. And then, I mean, Fury... Uh, uh, He's, he was like the best diva in the world, like pretty much for a while. Yeah. Like we kind of consider that from season one, even into most of season two. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't understand how he ends up on the bench for a considerable period of time. Uh, yeah. But I'd also we, like um... to give a shout out to Yaki's Echo because as much as people talk yeah. about his tracer, it, the few times where he saw his Echo, he was also putting up beast level performances there against I Atlanta mean, it... on Junkertown. Yeah, and also when he played against the San Francisco Shock on Junkertown as well. As soon as he got forced off the tracer, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like watching Profit because the the similarities between <laughs> Soul Dynasty and the Florida Mayhem, I think, are very valid to make because they both opted into playing a lot of tracer, like tracer Ash and tracer um, a little bit of tracer May. Although Profit was normally the May player, so that didn't happen as much over in uh, Asia. But anyway, the but Profit just doesn't have that. He doesn't have the incredible echo performance, whereas Yaki was. Amazing, no matter what he played. Valiant. <laughs> is, this, is, that how, is that how we move on now? Just, you just lean back and just shout a, a team? Uh, Valiant, I think, is a perfect example of what Johnny was talking about earlier, and I think what you were trying to talk about, Bren, where like their roster gets announced and... Uh, you know, nobody really kind well, of has the hype about it. People were making jokes about their roster when yeah. it was first announced. Josh yeah. made a bet with yeah, I think yeah. this year it's going to be uh, proven that like you don't need like these big name players that there are so many talented players that we don't even know about yet. I mean, even us, right? There are probably so many players if, out there that we have no fucking clue about. If you have the support structure in place to enable them is the caveat. Yeah. But... Yeah. I thought KSP was fucking sick this KSP's weekend. KSP's always oh, been yeah. sick. KSP has always been sick. Yeah. He's always been yeah, a, free. an amazing... The UK boys. Yeah. UK Mafia 2020. Again... I'm just always amazed that this tank line can do anything. I really am. What? I'm just always amazed because because they have no they have no name value. I mean, and also Dreamer is just inting looking for shatters twenty four seven, and Gig plays like a maniac whenever he's in as well. So, I I feel like. Um, reminder of my leaking. Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, the yeah the the. <laughs> LA Valiant got destroyed by the shock. I mean, this was this was the equivalent of our Shanghai versus New York game on the on the other side in APAC. It wasn't close. Yeah, what, what, it was okay, like so, uh, a lot. Okay, everyone has oh, something to say. I won't go no. first. Go, I go, go. go. First. Okay, go I, first. I, I, I want to go here because I want to <laughs> pose a bit of a. I want to say my my say. I want to want to say my piece. And at the same time, I'm going to hand it out to everybody else, you know, uh, and see what you guys think of this. I think this series may have been the difference between a team with... Now, I don't know if you agree with me with this, but I think in terms of the way they are coached, they are quite fundamentally similar, where they have been training these players to think about the game in an intelligent way, how to adapt on the fly. They're, they're, they're coached in an intelligent way, but the difference between the Shock and the Valiant is the raw mechanical ability of the players on each roster. Mm. Do you, do you see, guys think that's the case? No. I, I, I don't agree when it comes to the DPS. I think that yeah. if you're talking about tank and support lines, then yeah, the Shock are massively outclassing yeah. them. But the DPS, no, I don't, I don't actually agree. I, I, view, uh, I view the Valiant right now almost where the Shock were at the end of Season 1, where they were like just starting to get things kind of figured out with their roster a lot of young players like you're maybe one or two pieces away from really putting together like something impressive like i think uh you can probably use some of the roster spots to add some players maybe like a, you know josh was saying like that could add a little bit of like a can get you over the hump so to speak 
uh, of a team like this, but I, I don't think they're like mechanically outskilled to the point where they could like never beat the Shock or anything uh, along those lines. I, I think this match could have been closer in a lot of different ways. Um, I, I was sort of disappointed by the strategy that Valiant brought to the table. It was poo-poo. They were and playing they were Reinhardt the entire and time. Reinhardt Reaper. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to pin that on the players per se and just look at this result and go, I don't think the individual skill is there because I sort of know that it is there. So, you know, let's give the Valiant the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that they are not confident in matching Shock on like the proper bunker style kind of composition or whatever. But we talked a lot about on the game breaks how the Valiant's best shot is probably just to put Shaxx on Tracer and KSP on Yes. On Widow and just go, just <laughs> yeah. go, dude. But instead, they opted for this sort of inting playstyle and just, <laughs> and just yeah. went in. And like McGravy was memeing about how he was doing it for a gig, and I was just like, okay, like mad respect. This is sort of like Outlaws against the Titans last year, where me, Monty, and Wolf had this conversation about how to approach an underdog matchup. I don't think this was the way what Valiant did against the Shock. And you yeah. know, hindsight. 20, 2020, maybe they could have just gone in there, steamrolled Super, Dreamer, like the next MVP uh, of the league. You know, maybe that could have happened. I don't know. But I think they sort of approached it the wrong way. And actually, I was a bit surprised by you, Josh, saying that the tank line could do anything because I think Dreamer got pretty outplayed against Ben Best. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was mostly, I mostly he was mean, opening up for a lot of shatters. And he was. It, he yeah. played like poo. I just mean generally, you know, like I actually have zero expectations of this tank line coming into the league and so oh, the fact yeah, that they sure. are towards a top uh, 10 team i mean you can, you can, like a player like mcgravy like i love you dude i love you seriously but that like i it's hard to imagine like whoa. a top three off tank in an esport being called mcgravy by the sheer name <laughs> whoa you know like <laughs> mcgravy Jeez. doesn't yell mvp the way yeah. like Sinatra or uh, but, Jonak uh, does. every, every like... team every team can't have a top three player like at a no, position, like, just the name, like, dude. The name McGravy you don't like? No, I, I love it. It's a fantastic name, but it doesn't yell like elite player. Well, <laughs> I, to be called I, I Sniper420. Yeah, I like I like, like, like the so name wait, McGravy we're, we're because... Because... <laughs> Is this a hot take? Is this a hot take? No. <laughs> I think that's kind of a hot take. Like, I quite like McGravy's name because it's not a try-hard gamer name, yeah. you know? It's just McGravy. Yeah, it's a take you make when you get up and pour two things of gin. What? Really? So if we had the next Overwatch League MVP, McGravy, and we have him on Jimmy Fallon. Hello, I am Caleb McGravy. Yeah, I think that's kind of... That's kind of funny. Like, It is super funny, but it's... I, I'm well, not gonna do stop. you think I'm just there's any stop. correlation between the seriousness of your <laughs> alias and your ability to play a game? I'm just no, no. <laughs> I'm just no. Of course not. Of course not. It, it all... Okay, look, this is spiral out of control. Screw <laughs> you guys. Do you know you're after Reinhardt? Look, you're a name, a, a nickname <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with the individual skill or like actually reviewing the gameplay. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it all comes down to what happens in game and the gameplay. Yes. But the, okay. the game, the, like, 
Yeah, McGrady's there it is. on Twitter, bro. Uh, there yo, it McGrady, is. Yo, this is just this is just one of those salty reinforced moments. Where <laughs> no, how is it salty? Where he, no. he he's like, oh man, I missed out on Owl, dude. I'm trying to just, <laughs> like, I'm trying what to take, some, I'm trying to, I'm trying to take some shots of some people. Like, yo, let me, let me, <laughs> this is not a shot. I love Caleb. Uh, uh, what are you? Va this is valiant, not a shot. Valiant loss. Let me swing at McGravy, dude. Yeah, you're <laughs> I love No. I want to duel with McGravy. I love right. the guy. Uh, he ain't doing it now. This, this, but, is, this but, is like okay. if you took the side of the Paris Turner social media manager for Bren. I did. <laughs> are I did. I the did. Valiant. I that Paris social media manager should body Bren. Fuck are him. the Valiant a top team? <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think that the, the thing that strikes me whenever I watch the Valiant is yeah. that they always try and find a composition to disrupt and upset their, their opponent. They don't try... They... They play like an underdog. They always play like an underdog. And at some point, if your team keeps improving, if you're making the semifinal, like, at what point do you just believe in yourself and play meta? You know what I mean? Like, just believe in yourself and play, like, Shaq's on the tracer, play double shield, try and get the wins I, 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 with what is considered to be the best comp. Don't try and... don't. Throw, it, it's like someone that constantly throws curveballs to try and knock their opponent off guard. But it, if you if you really believed that you were able to beat your opponents and that you were better than them, and if you were a better team, then I don't you have agree. to have the confidence mm. to just go in and play default against them as well. I don't agree within the context of this tournament because the one thing that this tournament has uh, sort of opened up to me, and we're going to touch on this a little bit later, so I'm not going to go into depth with it, but I think that Huck actually posted a tweet that I thought was pretty good yeah. um, where he was saying oh. how hero pools have come around and the hero pools have kind of force teams to play different compositions and when no hero pools rolled around teams start leaning back on what they're good at that they've yeah. learned that they're good at from the hero pools which i agree with to a degree and johnny's reverted back to a 14 year old with that trim so, so do you disagree um no i don't disagree but i think he's missing the forest for the trees with this tweet because <laughs> i agree that a lot of teams they tried a lot of new compositions because they had to because we had weekly hero pools i think huck's tweets here might be praising the way weekly hero pools work more than how say monthly hero pools would work because it wouldn't play out the same if you increase the wow. duration and so i think that when you look at the May Melee tournament and the diversifications and the variety, I don't think... Okay, so this is just an idea, and you want to, I, I want you guys to criticize it if you don't agree. But I think that no hero pools, it's actually not the same as just another hero pool. Because no hero pools, especially in a loser's pick format, allows you to play the designated compositions for a map mm. to the fullest potential. So let's say you are a dive team and you excel at playing dive compositions on dive maps. Yeah. Hero pools prevent you sometimes from playing the most optimal dive compositions on those maps. And that in turn benefits to you playing like bunker compositions or broad compositions or whatever. Right. So okay. it, I, I'm just saying that I think that losers picks combined with no hero limit this past weekend 
actually helped the map strategy in a way that I don't think regular hero pools could. So, so because you were able to play those dive maps to their fullest potential to counter Brawl right. or Bunker. And you were able to play Brawl compositions to their fullest potential on Brawl maps. And so you sort of naturally have this diversity and variety because you could play the map to their fullest potential. And I don't think in any hero pool that you necessarily can do that. And so yeah. I don't necessarily agree yeah. that no hero pool well, is not the same uh, uh, okay. to just another hero pool. So, so you're saying that yeah. because there is no hero pools with this loser's pick scenario where you can pick the map types, teams are less reliant on a default composition that would broadly speaking work on any map because it's less important to master a default comp because you get that choice of maps which allows you idea. to specialize. And I don't think people are talking about that enough because yeah. I'm seeing a lot of conversation on Reddit right now and they're just saying like, oh yeah, like weekly hero pools is actually kind of good. But I think actually some of the variety anyway came from the fact that there was no hero pool and you could play the loser's pick advantage I, much harder than you could in any hero pools. But I, I think what, what Huck's trying to say is that without those weekly hero pools, people would not have experimented and kind of learned these stylistic things over the course of the weeks that they could have used in this final week. Like if you... Yeah, you can't just say like, okay, if there was no weekly pool and then we did a tournament after four weeks, people would just kind of figure out what to play in certain situations. Yes and no. What, what, I, so, so what happened in the previous seasons? Okay, so well, some people were saying the things like they wouldn't have discovered the power of Ash if it were not for hero pools. And I yeah. think I disagree with that because she got a big buff, which contributed. But also, I, Ash is affected in a that. way that McCree is not, because you have the dynamite that you can lob over shields and actually hit a lot of those tanks and did a lot of damage. McCree can't do that. And so it doesn't fall on hero pools as a system to sort of like bring Ash into those compositions. Like a player should naturally look at Ash's kit and say, she has the dynamite. She's better at we've killing seen heroes, bunker compositions. We've seen heroes get buffed like crazy over the history of Overwatch and never get played. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like uh, you needed hero pools and you need them to force that type of uh, creativity to try things like that. Because I, I don't think you ever would have saw Ash in combination with a lot of these things. And then I, now I disagree see, with that. Now you see Ash in combination with the Orisa, with the halts and whatnot, with the... I don't... I don't think my... people are playing. I don't think people are even playing good comps in this most recent tournament. I mean, I mean, no. I think if you left the hero pool open and this patch exactly the same, but you just gave teams a month to figure it out, it would look so different. The meta diversity would go down massively. I think yeah. it's just that people had one week to try and figure out, so they they know that certain comps work well on certain maps. I, I think Overwatch as a game tends to boil down to one or two compositions. And so you have to you have to rig it in order to have good diversity of heroes. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think I so I get that that has been the history of Overwatch, but I still sort of disagree with you. Because I still think that you can force off meta comps on the maps in which the the like the meta comp does not play well because of sheer map design. And yeah. you're able to conjure up a counter comp on a map that it doesn't play well. So, like, imagine playing, like, I don't know, like, double shield or some kind of brawl on, like, Hollywood. If on point B, high ground compositions 
play well against those compositions because they don't have the mobility required to reach the high ground, etc. And so I still think there's some natural counters within the game. But you know why we haven't seen this, though. I mean, the reason why it always turns into some type of mirror matchup is because nobody wants to change their composition for things like that because of resetting ultimates and whatnot, and you're even further behind. So well, I like, think people have some PTSD like, from obviously, goats. Obviously something that's not going to happen. But even before goats, we would see a meta develop, and then it would just stay. Yeah. And then everybody, even in, the, even, in, in, even in times where we knew it was less optimal to play it, you would play it. Because Temple of Anubis, perfect example, right? You can play a lot of different weird shit on Temple of Anubis, but then it usually goes when it's like point B to like the default comp. So what do people do on point A? They just run the default comp because they don't want to put themselves so far behind in the second part of the map. Like, I think you can't just kind of look at it like, uh, like oh, yeah, we're, we're good now. Like, you know, we're past everything with that. I, I just don't, th I, I still think map strategy has a place in Overwatch. And I really do think that the fight, the, the, the Despite the fact that we didn't have a fleshed out meta and more time on these on this hero pool, I still want to believe that map strategy could play a card to come in future map series, which we've sort of forgotten about because the power of goats and some of these hero pools and well, we're not really utilizing map design to the fullest. The, the, and the argument the argument for this is to just try it, right? To to have a month of here of no hero pools and then roll into a tournament format where you it is loser's pick and if we start to see the same variety then yeah. your argument is proven but didn't we see this in apex and teams still defaulted to comps but we, we've seen it we've seen it throughout the history of overwatch teams just but, default but, to comps but i'm like, talking about I johnny's point of World having cup losers map picks 18 was sick right <laughs> world cup fucking hell world cup. johnny's point of having losers losers map picks affecting the um the variety of compositions that yeah. we see wouldn't we have seen that in apex yeah that i mean format we, we did in early about? we did in early seasons when teams didn't know what they were doing right but that's the I argument mean. against it isn't it is that yeah. the reason we saw that is because the teams yeah. were less but, but also since then i mean okay i we, we should have a separate episode for this to sort of hype up the you know well, well, this is this was always going to be a topic then, we've had the introduction of heroes like Wrecking Ball to help dive, because before it was always Winston. We've had characters like Echo, because Genji was so garbage shit for like forever, <laughs> that now you have an overpowered yeah. dive character to assist those dive compositions to work. We've had introductions of Ash with her dynamite to break down those double shields. So yes, historically speaking, sometimes it has defaulted to one meta, and you're correct. But I am too optimistic I am too Swedish, and I want to believe too much, yeah. but that it actually is if you gave not different entirely, but I like monthly okay. hero pools or a month, every month you have new balance changes. I want to believe that you can make the dream happen. But well, we've already four. seen four years of stuff that would disprove that. <laughs> but I'm saying you're not listening. I'm pulling it in. Matt's not listening. I am, but you're taking you're taking you know 12 games and then comparing it versus four years and saying that the 12 games this is so better. dismissive you're being uh, so dismissive to what i just said matt i i i'm not i'm 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 well, the, presenting the a fact the other side of what we've seen already the only way to tell would be to try it anyway and we're, we're not gonna try it so yeah, yeah. i can't make balance changes I'll, I'll go make balance changes for you if you want like i mean 
Anyway, I'm I putting get... an end to this, and yeah. instead we're going to move to the Asia side of the main melee. I have uh, a dream. Okay. <laughs> we can have uh, your dream. Uh, your dream's right, dead. Let's move Jono on. Oh no, Giovanna. <laughs> Chill out. What? <laughs> That's that's one for all you weebs out there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the Asia May Melee. Let's take a look at this because let's start with the Shanghai Dragons reverse sweeping. Uh, what a the, match. What a fucking match, honestly. When was the last time we've seen an esports? Just, just esports history. <laughs> I can't recall when we've seen in a, in a, like a best of seven, if you want to call that, first yeah. of four map series, a team reverse sweep. When they're behind that much, we did. We had one in COD that I casted, and the only reason I remember it because I thought Clint was gonna like die halfway through because he was just sweating his face off, and he was just like, "There's no fucking way this lasts longer than like." But it, it's it's wild. Uh, yeah, it, because the reason they happen so rarely is because when a team is that far behind, not only is it the mental fortitude you need to come back from that ridiculous, but you need to play almost perfectly so that you don't drop a single map. And you uh, need to, and in the first place, the fact you are that far behind signifies that there is a big discrepancy in your skills yeah. to begin with. Yeah. So they just never happen. They just uh, never happen. What, though, this shit happens a lot easier than you think, though. I got reverse swept at an MLG in Chicago uh, way back, and you don't even realize it's happening until you like lose. Because you get, uh, it was like at that time they would use like a rule with like a continuation where if you played the same team again, you start off from where that series was and you just kind of progress from there. And I remember you went, uh, we won like the first two maps and you're one map away and everyone's like joking around. You lose a map and you're like, all right, we got like a few more to work with. You lose another one and then you're like, oh, we're good. And then as soon as you lose the one that ties up the series, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, yeah. And then everybody looks at each other and starts panicking and like, there's nothing you can do with that panic. You know what's happening. Yeah. And then as soon as the other team comes out in that final map and they get like two kills, everyone like kind of knows you're, you're like you're losing, and it's yeah. just kind of brutal to sit there. But I mean, right. What a collapse. Well, what a it collapse really is. Soul. I mean, this series is really interesting because the the Shanghai Dragons lose at the beginning, and, and uh, they're quite similar to the shock in that. They were getting kind of rolled around by Prophet's Tracer at the beginning, I think. Um, on Blizzard World, on Li Zhang, even on Hanamura as well. They were playing a lot of the Mei and a lot of the Tracer, and it was it was pretty potent. And then they start, like, they pick Watchpoint Gibraltar, which I think is a good anti-Tracer map. Like, there's no way that Soul are going to be any good at Watchpoint Gibraltar because they just can't play Echo. But then from there, it's all Soul Dynasty's picks, and they can't win right. a single one. And that's a, that's another reason why this is so oh, ridiculous. So is because from that point on, you're working at a disadvantage. As soon as you've got that first map pick, uh, as soon as you win their map pick, I, yeah. I, I think, I think what this showcases is that Shanghai's coaching staff are for real. Their players are for real, obviously as well. We always knew that they were. We 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 were always basically working under the assumption that they were the best team in Asia. But yeah. this just affirms it now. So what's yeah. what's interesting about this is I don't really like I mean obviously I think we all knew that Shanghai or at least we all felt that Shanghai was the best team in Asia. Uh, this just makes me even more fucking confused about Seoul Dynasty. Yeah. Like 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 I on know. a week to week basis, like 
this team like they're three owed and then they come out they win the first three maps against like the best team in the region yeah and then they just proceed to just lose four in a row like what in the actual fuck like well where, like, i mean the team just goes hot and cold brennan josh you casted this series yeah do you actually feel like they played worse those four maps do you feel like they just hit a wall when they couldn't force their style anymore or I, I think, think it was they, like play did they play well or did shanghai dragons just like play better or like what happened fearless coming in made a huge difference i think especially playing the winston because they they kind of swapped up their style a lot particularly towards the the end when they were playing junker town they just played full-time winston they they gave up on playing the double shield uh because soul were just if you play the, I, I think something that none of us realized, and even the teams didn't really realize coming into this tournament, was that double shield with tracer is wildly powerful. Like a double shield with a tracer to harass the <laughs> DPS, you just have so much advantage because the tracer distracts the backline, distracts the DPS players, and allows your team to win the shield war, even though your tracer isn't contributing. It's really weird. It's it, it's not something that theoretically makes so much sense, but it it works she's yeah. so powerful in combination with armor packs it's like actually just yeah cool. 200 hp tracer uh, when i when we were cows i think it was a uh, shock mayhem uh they loaded up yaki with two armor packs he he got like whip shotted and he was still at like full hp like, like, yeah. like, like all right like oh, that's yeah. that's fucked up like <laughs> it, it's just ridiculous what you he, can do with that watching this series the reason that i was talking a, a lot during the series and even now about um what you need in terms of mental fortitude to make a win like that i think it's also just completely applicable to soul as well and it's like what you're saying matt it's when you're ahead that much you take your foot off the gas a little bit. And when oh, yeah. I look at these players as well, I th I look at these players and they have been lauded as the uh, as some of the GOAT players, right, of all time. Yeah. And I think that once they're, they're winning, they're so far ahead and they're like, yep, this is it. Soul are finally going to be considered. I'm finally going to be considered one of the best players in the region. Uh, it's in the bag. And you take that, that foot off the gas just a little bit. For a second, dude. For a second. Yeah. And Shanghai come in and they've got the coaching, they've got everything necessary to reset their mental coming into this. They put the right players in. And then suddenly they lose a map and so like, okay. But I could tell, I could tell because those maps were hard fought, apart with the exception of Gibraltar, obviously, because they kind of got out comp there. But I could tell as it started to get later into the series that we were seeing a worse Soul Dynasty playing. And I think a big part of that was that their mental getting shattered a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To to a second, sort of what Matt said, like when you are so close to winning so dominantly, it's sort of like having half a mile left in a marathon, and you're about to cross the finish line, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm about to cross the finish line, I'm about to cross the you're finish line, a bit, and then you're yeah. like, wait, I'm not crossing the finish line, and all these thoughts of like, wait, what's happening? Can I come up? And you put yourself sort of like in a state of shock, where it's like you don't know what's going on. And because you put yourself in that state of shock, it's harder to analyze what's going wrong. And then you start choking yeah. from there. So, I I mean, I can imagine already, like, you're getting fragged on Busan. And you're like, whoa, like, what is happening here? And then it's just, like, down. down this is there. one of the reasons that I think teams should be, um, shouldn't be too, what's the word? Like, like bluff and bluster about it, you know? Like, shouldn't believe that they're untouchable. Because if you if you if you have the mentality 
that you are all that you are destined to win once you get up that far then when you lose i think you can really crack your own mental whereas if you believe yeah. that it's gonna be a struggle like if I feel like Seoul coming into Gibraltar should have expected that it would be really tough. Like every competitor is yeah. going to expect yeah. to win or hope to win and think they're going to win, but you are got, you've got to expect that it's going to be tough. And if you think it's going to be easy and you're just going to dust it off and finish four nil, and then you get rolled like that, it's going to, it's such a shift in your worldview yeah. that it is going to tear you up a little bit. So I, you I have actually to be realistic with your expectations in the maps. Yeah. I actually give a ton of credit to uh wins in the rogue roster and a lot of people like like to dislike him you know shit on him or whatever um he made some controversial stuff but he came to that team early on in overwatch and brought so much esports experience to that team and in those tight series i mean when we beat lunatic high in like apac and stuff he was able to convey and change that mindset in the finals and be like hey this was their map pick. It's whatever. We go fuck them up next. He yeah. was yeah. always the guy who was like, not not pissing on our opponents, but sort of like saying like that, oh, you know, they won because of their map pick. You know, we're stronger on the next map, et cetera. Yeah. And it just makes a world of difference. So wins bringing that experience to that rogue roster made a massive difference in how we were performing in like the semifinals against Envy, um, in APEC against Runetic High and in those very close matches. Like, yeah. it matters a ton. That's to Sinatra for the, the right shock mindset. as well, right? Yeah. Like, that's his, that, or that was his entire thing, was, like, making sure that everyone's mentality was uh, reset correctly yeah. for the for the oncoming yeah. games. Yeah. And you look at how this series actually went down. They get rolled on Gibraltar, right? Because they just can't play the compositions properly, the Soul Dynasty. Then they go into Busan, and it's basically like a dive mirror. And and so the the Winston Fearless's Winston is a key theme for this comeback, but especially because it powered them to a win on Junkertown as well. And then I think the selection of King's Row is just an impossible evil. Like you, it's either that or Hollywood, and yeah. Solar shite at both of them. So they were they they just they they got ruined because they couldn't play dive properly. Right because they, they don't have the Echo and they, they weren't as good as Shanghai. And then they couldn't play two of the key hybrid maps The longer the series either. goes, the better it's looking for Shanghai. Yeah, and that's the same when it comes to the San Francisco Shock against the Florida Mayhem. They are better on more of the map pools. So the longer the series goes, the more advantages they have because Soul just run out of good map picks. Junkertown yeah. was a decent map pick for them, to be fair. And it could have gone their way but I think they made a crucial... That was so close. They made a crucial gamble defending with the May Reaper composition and it just didn't pay off for them. Yeah. Man, what but a I just, map. Yeah, I just want to underline how sick it is to see these series progress with all the maps, like, throughout. Like, all of these finals, we can just, like, paint, like, yeah. a picture of how it got to the point oh. it did. Um, I just love to see how losers pick I, I, I think too it's crazy about this weekend and just seeing it overall and like looking back on it is how fucking fast your fortunes can flip in the overwatch league whether it's a team or individual oh, yeah. player like we're sat here talking about the shanghai dragons winning uh anything in to be fair <laughs> uh the florida mayhem making it to yeah. a final right florida versus shanghai two of the most like impactful players in these matches fearless who was fucking out of the league fearless uh, redemption story Dude. redemption story and then rascal on the other side for shock who nobody wanted him like yeah. he bounced around for like yeah. a bunch of teams we have and then you so get, many like, good stories it, 
it's it's just uh it's hey. like why if your team sucks like you know maybe they can turn it around right hey you something don't we don't talk year, about but... a lot moon benched costa last year and the community was not nice to moon and yeah. now he's coaching yeah. by far well, the best team in yeah, well, wait, wait, wait though because that I mean, was, dude. you you say he benched custer and people were mad like it was a reasonable decision i mean they tanked those games <laughs> yeah, they, they did kind of lose a lot it of... wasn't it wasn't like it was a reasonable decision even in hindsight they fucking threw those games valiant were dreadful yeah. at that period of time <laughs> It's just a it's just a turnaround. It's but yes, like, it is a turnaround. How? Yeah. Like if you said at that point that Moon would like coach the Shanghai Dragons and they would win the May Melee, yeah. like But I, I don't think that any I, I think that the public perception of that might be a little bit wrong because there was there was discord and disagreement within the team. It wasn't that Moon yes. was bad, it was that the uh, Western players disagreed with what he was mm -hmm. doing with the team, and that caused problems. Chaos, yeah, yeah. Chaos. And so you can't work in a system like that. So I don't think Moon was a bad coach. He was just a bad coach for the Valiant. Sure, yeah. I mean, you're right. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it is funny. It is a, another the great Soul Dynasty then. for Moon. Are they? What's, what the hell is going on with Soul? I have no clue. Not a clue. Uh, like seriously, I want to say they are real, but this they team, could come out and lose the next few games. Remember our prediction brackets when we come into this, man. We were giving you shit for picking Soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys gave me crap for picking Soul, and yeah. even when I even when I picked Soul, I wanted to change it because I thought Architect. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to change it. Yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. to change it. I was like, I don't even feel good about. Wait, this. You thought they would make the finals? I had them in the final. Did you? Damn. Yeah. yeah, Matt yeah, had them yeah. in the final. I, I think that was because Nero, we assumed Nero wasn't playing as well, right? I, I, yeah, well, I, what play. I said on yeah. the last one was like, I picked them to get there, but I, I want, if, if I knew that Architect was going to play for Hangzhou, I would have taken Hangzhou all the way. Uh, yeah. I, I thought either of them was going to get by Guangzhou, which I think I probably would have been correct if if, if Nero hadn't played. If yeah. Nero hadn't played, yeah. Um, Seoul do look to have made a lot of improvements. Like, yeah, they still can't play the Echo very well, but they have made inroads with their dive comp and they have also they they played some rush against charge and they actually beat them as well so that's that's pretty I, impressive I, I think the proper way to frame the conversation is do you guys think soul dynasty is the second best team in the i think you'd have to say that without question and i think i think the only i i want to see architect play with hangzhou I want to see that happen. I think they're I think they're in a prime position to rise up the rankings uh, if that kind of goes the right way. But I think Soul Dynasty, you have to give them the props that they are the second best team in the region right now. Yeah, when you consider that Soul had three matches right here and all of them they looked pretty impressive. Yeah. Like even yeah. in the finals when they get reverse swept, it's impressive to make that series three four yeah. against the Shanghai Dragons. And they did play very well on the maps that they played well at. And it's not like they sucked on all the ones they lost either. They played really <laughs> close on on like uh, Junkertown uh, uh, and they were all right on King's Rock. I just don't trust this team. Like I was just thinking in my head, I was like, all right, if we were if we were sitting here recording this episode and Seoul were to have like four owed Shanghai. Like, yeah, I'd say they were the best team in APAC, but would I be super confident in that moving all the way forward? I have no clue. Like, yeah. from what I've seen this far, I, I, I just don't feel confident in them for whatever reason. That's perfectly reasonable looking at their track record. I mean, look at these yeah. matches here. It's, it's, it's absurd. Like, they, we keep bringing this up, but they were getting records set against them just yeah. earlier. They were getting 3 0 in record time. Yeah. 
or a couple of weeks ago, I should say. But it's 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 incredible how bipolar this team can look from from going from bad to good. Uh, but even... that's always been based on the meta before. And it, in yeah. this tournament, they changed that. It wasn't based on the meta. It was based on the 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 maps whether or not they looked great and that was in the finals like they they were able to play reinhardt comps they were able to play dive comps and they beat spark and charge who they were getting three nilled by previously so they have improved and i think that this will stick at least somewhat this may be a it's not really a hot take but it's just something that i'm i'm just starting to think of now like because sometimes when i when i watch them in the regular season like some weeks with the meta they just seem disinterested like yeah uh, maybe this is a team that like the regular season like format kind of just hurts them where they need some kind of something on the line like there needs to be some kind of tournament or something like that fuels them otherwise it just seems like they go through the motions like they're just kind of like yeah we got some games this is what people are playing let's just go out and do it like whatnot and like see what happens uh because i mean yeah i'm sure he's gonna get married to the flower yeah like one you know, being in the being in the constant kind of carousel of regular season games, like can get a little bit draining and boring. And you kind yeah. of you need that tournament, you need that kind of thing to bring everything back in. Where yeah, the motivation. These players have well, had so much success in the biggest of tournaments that, like, what is winning a regular season game against Chengdu? Some, like, you know. Yeah, some some teams perform better under the pressure, but I'll tell you, who doesn't the New York Excelsior apparently yeah because again this is a another playoff scenario where new york end up falling short in the semi-finals and i don't want to keep rehashing the same agenda that we seem to have against new york i I don't think this is a choke though a choke has to be the the definition of a choke in in esports at least when it's used most usually is that you had opportunities to win and you squandered them (laughs) by underperforming and, and no New York had no opportunities to win this match. <laughs> yeah. They got shit slammed. Yeah. Do you think it, it came so down fast. to the compositions? Yeah, they played the same shit that Hangzhou were as well, and the same shit that like the Valiant <laughs> were. Like, these f- yeah. these Reinhardt comps with no Lucio. And to be fair, this isn't what the Valiant ran. But in Asia, I don't know who started pendling this comp, <laughs> where you're running Reinhardt Rush with a brig and an anna, but my God, did it suck some dick this weekend. And I'm so <laughs> glad it did because it doesn't make any theoretical sense. And it, it bothers me sometimes when theoretically bad comps play really well. And they had been having, Hangzhou Spark had been having some limited success with that composition before. Not much, but some. And then they come out, Hangzhou and New York playing this and they just get booty slammed. Uh, they need some kind of i don't know what it is uh like you almost get tired of kind of seeing this go the same exact way like you know, regular season warriors and then the playoffs they just kind of get rolled uh i i saw some people talking on reddit i believe uh, mondu turns 18 after this so maybe we see him come into the lineup instead of animo uh for more aggressive like lucio style yeah. play in the I main think has been pretty great honestly yeah i mean i don't think i don't think animo's been bad uh but i think, the I biggest... think they just kind of messed up I really yeah. do think they just kind of messed up. Yeah. They also though they they ran dive on uh, on Oasis and Temple of Anubis and they just got bodied there as well. So I don't even think it was all down to their strats. They just no. are nowhere near on the level of a good Shanghai. Can they get there? Good yeah. Question. I mean, I, I I still think they have the individual skill 
required. And I do think they can reach that level. You have a great leader in Saibiolbi. I mean, whatever happens and however New York performs, we still always talk about Mono being one of the best main tanks in the league. And I do think that they have the individual skill required. I mean, you think they can, in a big know, game I, right now, I can't, I almost can't picture it happening. Well, they, I, 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 they, you they know, we, we give a lot of excuses about dirty and clean hero pools. And like, I think they just came in with the wrong idea this weekend and kind of just have to give them an F. Like, you kind of messed up. Like, go next, dude. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you can judge or like put too much pressure on the roster for the compositions they played in that way. Because when they excel and when they play their best compositions, they're still a great team in my mind. It's interesting to see them slowly slip down the power rankings from year to year. And it's not something we've touched on since last season's playoffs, where we had a Platchat episode called New York are not a stacked roster anymore. Which <laughs> and and but one of the more controversial I, I'd like episodes to, in our history. Yeah, it was very controversial because yeah. they then went on to dominate in the playoffs and they ended up in third place. So it actually ended up not kind of being proven wrong there. But I think there was an element of truth to that in that I mean, would you, last year, they were clearly a top three team throughout the yeah. year, you know, and okay, we didn't think that they would perform that well in playoffs, but, we, but yeah. okay, here we go. Bring up the past. Yeah, but, yeah. Matt, Matt with that fresh cut. Hey, look, hey, my you're, you're, hey if, you're, if you're at home bored and you, know, you want to go watch that episode as well, every, every view matters. Every episode matters here. Yeah, that's true. But New York started in season one. They're clearly the number one team throughout the year. They yeah. would be power ranked at number one. Then season two, they're the number three team behind the Shark and the Titans. And then this year, where are they? Are they fifth? Are yeah. they seventh? Are they, they are slipping, man. Nobody knows. Is, do you think this is because the level of play has stepped up? Like season one. That's what was, I'm implying. There, yeah. was two, yeah. there was two teams, right? Was there two teams? I mean, I can't remember why. Like, I, I mean, one. they no, still... It was New York, what, really. Did they, yeah, it was they ended up third in last year's playoffs? Yes. yes. Yeah. But they were third in the regular season as well, weren't they? I think so. But there was always the argument, though, when we were talking last year. It was always when we were thinking of teams. It was Shock Titans, and then we always kind of said New York were in the same realm of possibility. But I never truly believed that they could take maps or take a series away from those teams yeah. when when it was a, a, tr a series that actually mattered in playoffs. I never had confidence in in them. Yeah. Okay. This so now you have two social media managers coming after you. This <laughs> I've already had New York going for my neck. What's more, one I, more? Man's got hitters all over the block, Johnny. <laughs> listen, it's, listen, they can, I, they can come I, at me. It doesn't matter. I'm an individual. I can slap back. They need a, I think they need some kind of change up. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Uh, and, and, and honestly, what the way the roster is, it may not even make much sense. But like sometimes you play with the same players for so long that you just kind of get comfortable and like yeah. you know they need almost to force like that kind of honeymoon period where everybody's excited to play with somebody new again and like, like when punk came into boston re re-energized i do think yeah, like, it would be healthy yeah. for this roster to actually get good with i mean some other players like who are you and like nene and like try to try to have them come to the level of how the team is performing when you have Saibiolbi and Libro in because like you can't rely on Saibiolbi all the time to be this kind of leadership figure and come in yeah. and like come up with I, this I, I agree with that completely actually 
You I need think... to be able to find confidence without him in the lineup. Yeah. Especially and also, given the fact to... that... Uh, sorry, Josh. But go, especially no, given on. the fact that Sabiobi has said, you know, that he wasn't as confident, you know, playing the game as much. Uh, there was a time, right? There was a period where he wasn't feeling like playing the game anymore. I think he... Did he say he was going to retire? Yeah, that was when he, he was benched for a while. Yeah. That was when he was benched for a while. But... It, yeah, sometimes, and if you need a player like Sebi Obi, who is talented, and he is this leadership figure, but maybe you've got to start building up the new guard coming in. I say the new guard, like they've been, I mean, listen, they're not the new guard, but you know what I mean. You got I, I completely agree with you, Johnny. Uh, it, it wouldn't make much sense, but I want them to bring in Hacksaw. I think I, just like that, that could be personality... Well, Haxel recently said, or not Haxel, Jonak said that he is friends of, the way he worded this was weird. He said, I'm friends with Haxel now as if they weren't friends previously or there was some beef <laughs> between them. But Jonak said, Haxel said he would never come to New York. Really? Uh, yes. Apparently, this is according to Jonak's stream, I believe. I, I found it, I saw it on Reddit. But, mm. um, but I think a player like that, somebody who just has a big personality who would immediately make a difference in the lineup, like shake things up a little bit. Like they, I feel like they just need a little bit of a spark, like something really new. Yeah. Because what this team really lacks is, um, initiative. It, when you watch them play, they don't play like a shock or like, even like the mayhem we're playing or Philly where they, they hunt after opportunities. Like you can see them being proactive and chasing around the map, trying to do things. And New York are a bit more plodding. They just kind of plod along and try and solidify their position yeah. and slowly yeah. move forwards. And it, it works in some metas, but it doesn't tend to work anymore, especially now that the, the pace of the game has improved. Or I, I feel like in terms of their damage dealers, like they're all like top level players. But like none of them really screams to you that they can just like dominate a game that like we could see a Fledadu or a, a, a Lip yeah. or a Prophet uh, or a Fitz or like an Architect, right? Like none of them scream to you like, uh, you know, if Savior B like just plays like this, like he's just going to carry the whole thing. Like yeah. they don't really have that that type of like because the, they've been playing like so safe and they're so coordinated with each other. And Jonak was able to be such a difference maker on the Zen for so long. They never needed it. Yeah. Uh, now I feel like they need that one player who can like just dominate a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like what you were saying, Josh. Um, and I guess the best way to sort of put this is that like sometimes damage players try to calculate like what is best for the upcoming team fight, and then they sort of like execute that. But then like when I would play with people like Twick, and like you can meme whatever you want about Twick or whatever, but every team fight, Twick would vocalize like a plan. That, or like a goal he'd always set like this goal for the rest of this team and vocalize how he wanted to accomplish it and it's just not like basic shot calling it's not like oh my god how do i put this like you can regularly shot call but twick played like he had a purpose and a goal in mind and tried to push that to its very limits like someone like Huxal, how Huxal would actually play genji and like how Huxal would force his way on genji some players on Genji, they sit back, they spam some shurikens, they get the nano, they slice whatever. Like you, when you watch Huxel sometimes, he plays with sort of some kind of aggression that he wants to accomplish something. And I think that is sort of what you're, you guys are hinting at. Yeah. That you want that type of player 
that sort of like tries to aggressively take space initiative explosiveness yeah, yeah. new york needs to exert their will upon the game instead of always reacting to what other teams yeah. do i think it's but you, you might need a whole other player to shake that up yeah are there any other players you guys can think of that they could get uh because i mean do they it's not like i mean they have libero who are you uh nene is in uh new york i think they said because he's uh yeah. he's still dealing with some uh uh, dental stuff, yeah, yeah, dental issues or whatnot. Is there a player out there you think they could snag? I, I mean, if it's not Haxal, then I don't think there really is one around right now. Striker. Um, oh, you mean from a total another team? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Well, they could pick Shop up like give up striker because like maybe somebody like DM from the the uh, Shanghai about, Dragons as well. What about? Erster. Yes, that would also yeah. be uh, another really good one. If they're not going to play him, dude, and you put Erster on New York, I think he makes a, a huge impact straight away. We yeah. need to have a longer conversation about Erster and where he is. We do, actually. Like, we need to yeah. schedule that discussion. That's okay. It's, <laughs> it's monstrous, the situation around that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the names I was saying at the top of my head were like Erster striker maybe somebody from the philly roster if they wanted to kind of pull london and trim down some of the damage dealers uh but yeah there's not really that there's not really a great amount out there that could make that type of a difference i can imagine as well that like if you are a fresh new talent or you are someone from the outside looking in at new york excelsior new york still has that kind of reputation as a dominant force of nature and it might be hard to come into that system and try to force your will because you have yeah. so much respect yeah. for the organization and those players so it's i mean it's like mission Definitely. impossible but someone has to do it yeah maybe it needs to come from the coaching staff honestly yeah, yeah. i mean who are you should be that guy in my opinion right just yeah. like should come in and just like frag yeah. dude. i mean like <laughs> flower yeah, could have been right? in the past as well you know yeah. they had they've had these flashy dps players before they've just never gotten the most out of them or, or engineered the team around them and i don't think shanghai would ever trade them anybody because why would you make them stronger right yeah i mean just offload some of the players that you're paying like salary like, to. Uh, like ding like does ding make a huge impact on new york or something like no, that i don't think so he's too like, much of a specialist no i don't think he's like a game changer right dm actually could be a game changer though that guy's insanely talented and if they if yeah. he he's kind of got some of the uh experience that he might be in a position to uh, to tell them to play around him. I don't know. It's it's very up in the air at the moment with New York. These are yeah. all big I picture think, things that they need I, to look yeah, at. Yeah, I think the, the main point is that they do need a, a, a something in that lineup to get them back. Bren walked away, so we can talk about the charge. Yeah. Uh, how they nearly make the finals with Nero. There's a giant fucking fly in here, and Arya is going crazy over it. She's found <laughs> it now. Look, she's, she's here. She's found it. It's on the chair. Arya, it's there. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Arya, what is that? There. She's found it. The animal moves closer to the fly. These episodes oh, just I, get longer I, and longer because they mean, become like little talent shows. This thing is fucking huge. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Arya's is it a... Aria was batter, batter, uh, capture it with a cup over here. Yeah, capture it with the plat chat mug. Bro, this thing is fucking huge. 
It might be a new species. Yeah. Fuck is that? Aria's been been battering it this entire like for like thirty minutes over here, and I'm like, oh, she's like what hitting a spider? And I walk over to check what it is, and it just starts flying. <laughs> Look at this fucking thing. <laughs> what are you doing? You've got cups in front of you. You've got four you. platchat mugs. Okay, yep. we'll talk about the charge right. while you capture that. Oh, this is pretty interesting. Yeah, what did you guys uh, think about the charge? I loved seeing Nero play again. Yeah, I, I love that our faces aren't on screen either. It's just, yeah, just the, the set. <laughs> he's set. I, I, he's he's such a sick fucking player. I mean, he really like, is. Uh, I don't know if you can say he's like underrated at this point because I feel like a lot of people give him love, but yeah. pretty nasty. His his tracer was good in, in this as well. Considering that he was trying to check profit, his tracer I thought was uh, pretty decent. Um, his echo is pretty good as well. Oh my god, what is this? What? Wait, that's the... red. What? That's, what? That's what not a fly. That? It's not a fly. What is it? I mean, it can fly. And we know it can fly. Well, Some kind get, of beetle thing. Put it outside. Don't kill it. Uh, no, it's uh, red with dots, surely. It's I'm been gonna beaten I'm half. Take the... it away from Maya. She has been abusing this poor thing for like <laughs> 30 minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck is she doing over there? But I'm, I'm going to take it outside. Keep going okay. about charge. All right. <laughs> yeah, I thought they played pretty well in this game against Seoul, honestly. Do you believe they're the third best team in the region? I think they might have an argument to be the second yeah. best team in the region. Oh, okay. Because if Seoul, if Seoul come out of this tournament and they continue to be up and down and all over the place, oh, you know, yeah. then oh, yeah. then the charge have the best case for being the second best team. But they come into this tournament and a number one seed. They yeah. have a very close game against the Seoul Dynasty, who go on to you know nearly beat the Shanghai Dragons. So I think I think definitely they're the third. Yeah, I mean I mean th this. This region is in constant flux, in my opinion. Like, I made my power rankings, and I didn't feel good about Chengdu, London, Hangzhou, where I put these teams. Because, no. like, it changes on a week-to-week -week basis. And I think this is a pretty stacked region, in my opinion, where everyone can sort of beat everyone. And it's not because the teams are bad. It's because the teams are good. Yes. So, you could turn around in a month and be like, oh, Shanghai is number one, Hangzhou's number two, and, like, we think Seoul is, like, the fourth or fifth best team. Like, that's Dude, how London gets two wins. Is. Yeah, they're I mean, there. well, one that's thing that we're not talking about, sorry to jump in, is London almost took it to Shanghai. Yeah. yeah. Shanghai played like poo in that series, though. True. I mean, London played okay, but London have come off the back of playing pretty badly recently. <laughs> and then Shanghai, yeah. Shanghai were playing that fucking Torb McCree comp again <laughs> with Robin Lucio. And anytime <laughs> someone plays that, I am going to investigate them for match fixing. I swear to fucking God, you have been put on notice, APAC region. I will be doing investigations into your uh, skin transfer. Sometimes, sometimes the APAC region, I'll cast some of those games. And like halfway through the first like map, I'm like, how the fuck with this hero pool that they decide on this? Like, how well, the fuck do it, you it's super here? interesting, actually, because yeah, you can see, you can see you can see the influences that the regions have always had. Do you remember before the Overwatch League when we would look at China and even Korea as well, um, and the Sombra influence? Like Sombra yeah. would be used a lot more than, than the Western teams, yeah. um, just because they had a different read on how the game was meant to be played. Definitely, you've been seeing that as well over the course when the hero pools For come sure. in.
Now, I was actually talking to Avril and Pixie as well before this May Melee started, and they are pretty clued in with what the Korean contenders teams are playing, which I assume that some of the OWL teams in Asia, especially if you're about to go into a tournament and you're Scream. playing against people, you're probably scrimming against Korean contenders teams as well, right? And apparently almost all of them were just playing dive, just playing Sombra Echo dive the whole time, uh, and maybe like a little bit of Tracer as well. And so to see a team like Shanghai immediately come out and get bodied on Lijiang Tower playing this Reinhardt comp without a Lucio. Just, I, I can't really, I can't have too much faith in the London Spitfire because I genuinely believe that the Shanghai Dragons had a very poor idea of what they're doing in the quarterfinals. And that's why they never played those comps again in the semis <laughs> or in the final. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a wild fucking time yeah. this tournament was. It was it yeah. was fun though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was and great. The, it was great. The good news is we've got another one coming up. We've got the June tournament that's been announced. But bang, oh, dude, what a fucking segue! I'm actually getting so yeah. good at this. <laughs> okay. You're not supposed to yeah. self high five about the segues. It kind of takes uh, away from the slick nature. Uh, I, I like how I like how the host walks away for 20 minutes to catch a fly. <laughs> It comes back, introduces <laughs> the next topic, and then goes, wow, I'm fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, okay, it's not all about me. It's about the June tournament now. Um, thank the Lord that this tournament structure is being continued. I think, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just obvious, right? But in the yeah. past, the league has made decisions that have seemed a bit counterproductive. So there was never really a guarantee yeah. that we'd be running it. We were, I think... Uh, I think John Spector is 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 probably you know he's patting himself on the back. He's drinking a nice co a cup of hot cocoa right now. And what? <laughs> what were you saying? He's, he's loving life, you know. I mean, John's probably just having a beer. He's probably like, I don't want to get any more texts from Brent about hero pools or tournaments or. I don't text John with that stuff. I just leave him to do it because I know he's got a tough job, so I just leave him to it. Yeah. Uh, so so you so you just don't text him and complain on our podcast about it. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> it, it I only like, complain on the podcast. It feels like this main melee just like breathe some kind of new life into the scene. Oh. And knowing how hype this main melee playoffs were, people are just gonna be excited for the next Ju sure. June or July playoffs to come around. Yep. And that will show even in the weeks leading up to it. We we all love esports. People who love and watch esports in competition. They got into it via tournaments. Like that's like that's yeah. the that's the yeah. whole like part of it that was incredible, right? Is every every week you can watch, uh, you know, the top of the top, right? You don't have to kind of sit through a bunch of crap. You can oh, see the best teams yes. play, and Dude, and remember, you knew you were gonna get some epic fucking games, right? I remember Where, the exact tournament that got me into yeah. esports as well. It was the CS:GO. Like I had, I had dabbled in esports before, but the one that properly yeah. got me hooked was the CS:GO 2014 Katowice Major when Virtus sick. Pro won in front of their home crowd. Uh, Ooh, dude, what a fucking storyline! Well, yeah. Look at like, like CS:GO, right? Like they don't, they have a bunch of like regular season play and whatnot, but like, dude, like the tournaments, man, like they're so fucking hype. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, yeah. and I think that's just like like people who love esports and love video games are just conditioned to watch tournaments and and enjoy them because that's what that's what what we all played in to get into esports. It's what people of who like just casually to watch esports watch all the time. Like, where's the biggest tournament, etc. Yeah. Uh, and you bring in new people. Uh, I watch TI every year. I don't know fucking thing about Dota. I know Storm Spirit, and that's about it. I don't. <laughs> I don't. 
Storm Spirit. I know Rich Campbell occasionally makes a dick joke on the desk every once in a while. That's about it. Like, yeah. but I watch because it's fucking hype. Because yeah. somebody's gonna win a ton of money. Like, and I think that's awesome for us to have that now. Yeah, and the storylines are so prevalent yeah. throughout the entire so bracket. So easy like, to make TI, as well. TI, Johnny, I don't know if you have this problem the on the desk now, but last year, sometimes I remember year one, especially of the Overwatch League, when we were making, when we were trying to come up with storylines. Year one. Do you remember? Stage th yeah, stage three, where every team has uh, played each other three times. Fuck and me. You're like, I, I, I think the Florida Mayhem, I think, I think we, we talked about how can Zebosai improve about 50 times. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was season one. That yeah. was season yeah. one about the Shanghai yeah. Dragons. Yeah. What are we Will talking about? Do the it? Will Dragons? they get there? Will like, how many times can I read this? I remember coming to the prison arena just being like, is this the one? Oh, <laughs> my God. I don't, I don't really think we have that this year. Because uh, me and Custa can always talk about the weekly hero pools and how the meta is changed yeah. and how yeah. the players excel at those different roles. Um, so I, I think we just rely on that kind of like hero analysis. But when we were trying to punch <laughs> down those storylines about, well, DM looked pretty good. No, no. <laughs> what? No, it's not DM. No, oh it was, my God. Uh, Damon. Was Damon. Uh, Dia. 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 <laughs> Dia. Yeah. We're like, oh yeah, Dia was pretty good last week, he's wasn't he? And right, Johnny, yeah, he's still he's still in the league. What was he is. Oh, I can't remember who what his fucking name was. Yeah, I don't know. Roshan, dude. Roshan. Like, Roshan dude, I, pretty bro, good I was last thinking week. this the other day. We I was casting the finals. MG. And it, dude, I was casting the finals and then the observers showed a third person shot of the of the Winston Shanghai skin, and then I remember that I bought the Winston Shanghai skin as a meme. <laughs> because of Roshan. Yeah. yeah. And now yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, that's I, good. Also, I also think, I mean, just think about the level of play from season one to season three. I mean, it is just night and day. I mean, remember no. when we used to. Uh, I don't know, agree with that. The level of play is so much better now than season one. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You don't agree with that. I mean, even with Hero Pools on yes. a week to week basis. I think yes. the level of play has gone down since Hero Pools. From season, two, like the the peak that we see, I would say between the two best teams, I think you, that's been on, lower. You think season one, like think about the teams and the rosters in season one. You think okay? No, 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 no. Okay, now. okay. Before you do some stupid dumbass Mister X shit against me, the way we're going to frame this, I'm just asking a question: Is you know how the 2018 New York Excelsior with Joan Aconsanyara as Saibiolbi, how that team would perform against some of the teams? I mean, they still exist. People go up and they go down. It's not a blanket yeah. kind of thing. True. Don't do yeah, me I like mean, that. Come it, on. It, it depends on the meta as well, no. right? Like these teams aren't necessarily going to be great in the 2018 meta or like as good. But yeah, I, I generally think that the level of play has gone up. The caliber of play impressive. at an individual level has gone up. Especially the average. Yeah, the yeah. average has gone oh, up. Oh yeah, the average lot. has gone up. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mitch, Mitch mentioned to me uh, when we were casted, the, the finals, he's like, oh, yeah, the Florida Mayhem uh, beat the San Francisco Shock once in franchise history. Uh, year one, stage two, week three. And and I was like, and I, I said, it, I was like, I was like, let me remind you, the roster for the Shock was Dante, Baby Bay, Nomi, Nevix, Dak, and Sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, think about how far we've come. And like, like just the, the, the mayhem at that time had to have been, I mean, they didn't even have, uh, I mean, no, they didn't make like any adjustments swoosh. till the end. They had like swoosh, Manitin, yeah, but now you, you, you talk about the top teams, dude. Don't talk about the bottom. Okay, but, but oh, actually, here's, though, here's yeah. an amazing thing though about the mayhem, right? And this is this ties into the the June tournament as well, yeah. the May tournament structure. When you win, you get wins for the playoffs yes. overall, which is an amazing, amazing system. I think that's wonderful. Um, the Albert Yehet, the general manager of the mayhem, tweeted. We are now nine and four after getting two bonus wins for making the finals of the May Melee. This is the nine most games the Mayhem has ever won in a single season. We're oh, halfway damn, through this year, and they've already and overtaken nine. their all-time record That's in a ridiculous. season. I mean, bro, me and Josh did a head-to-head where, like, you know, they were, the Mayhem were making a strong case for worst team of all time. I mean, they, they had some, they had some yeah. impressive numbers in there. Well, so just... they, they were. I mean, I think the Mayhem are like if you consider season one and season two they they are the worst franchise of all time they didn't turn anything around it's a good point uh but yeah this is i i love this idea of getting bonus wins for your placement in the in the melee now have you also realized that the overwatch league website hasn't been able to process these bonus wins and so it still lists people based on their previous standings the league tweeted it earlier as well and people were so confused because it the 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 like internal coding of where the teams are placed had not factored yeah. in the bonus wins. So people right. had higher wins, but they were I still actually underneath. was wondering how they were going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Because it's all done automatically based on what, when the, when a database gets updated. So how do you factor in this new, but well, whatever, it's a problem for someone else, not me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. You know what time it is? Oh, it's 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 the uh, the moment we've all been waiting it's what for. What everybody wait, everybody every week I get messages far and beyond. This week I received a message from someone from India, and they said, "Please consider this as your player of the week." And to you, I say no. Um, here's what I've done instead. Let's... Wait, who who is this random Indian person telling you to be player of the week? Hold Here on. it is. Brent's play of the week. <laughs> you know what? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, El Clasico. Yeah. Uh, so, my player of the week this week is Coach Krusty of the San Francisco Shock. Um, and the reason being is because, uh, like this statistic here, you can see under Krusty, the Shock have qualified for five out of six possible playoff finals and have won three of five of those title matches. Mm. An unprecedented uh, amount in, in, in over the course of the Overwatch's history. And honestly, across esports as a whole as well, there's not many coaches that can boast this kind of level of prestige. Um, I think when we were talking about some of the best coaches in the league uh, in an earlier episode, I went back, one name was absent and it was Krusty. And I think it's because we've always, I don't know if it's because we already just assume that when we talk about top coaches, Krusty doesn't even need to be mentioned because he's always there. But this guy <laughs> is this is this is the only B-roll no. I could find that was primar- pri- primarily him. So, Apparently he's a really good chef. Apparently he's yeah, actually he is really a good, good chef at as well. Oh my god! Um, so here you are. Oh, this is a bit yeah, of a throwback. Oh, he's putting Sinatra in. Oh no. I think it's just impressive that he's able to, you know, have all these top players on a roster. And has he got grinded up moths as an ingredient? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. 
bit what of violet, you know. Josh, you have to be kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. Anyway, I, I I I just wanted to give it to Krusty because we he's been kind of falling to the wayside because I think there's been so many other good coaches to talk about that we haven't really been acknowledging how ridiculous it is still that the Shock are maintaining their dominance from last year in these playoff scenarios and despite the fact that you can uh, you can make an argument that it's much harder for teams to do that now with the hero pool shifting yeah. on a regular basis. The coaches <laughs> and players have a much more difficult job of it. Also, yeah. I mean, I, Wolf tweeted uh, out that they're the most successful franchise in Overwatch League history, and I agree oh, with that. that yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, do, I do want to play devil's advocate for a moment, though, and kind of say why we didn't originally... What the fucking Lord's name? <laughs> that that was him announcing Striker joining the team. Oh. I see. The the um the start of this year for the San Francisco Shock was not that great though. And they've had their moments when they've gone up and down and they they've had weeks where they looked like they didn't quite grasp hero pools and they have also adopted a slightly looser style than they did last year. So I think a lot of those points together uh, seem to indicate that maybe coaching wasn't as uh at the forefront for the Shock as it was last year. But the I think this tournament has shown that the shock are still absolutely the number one yeah. team and still have the, the the coaching at the forefront as well. And, and I also think you have to look at obviously the coaching that uh, Krusty is able to bring, but then also to be able to look at a player like Ons in the off season and say, hey, this guy can come in and make a difference and be able to sign him. Because when he got signed, I think when we did an episode and we mentioned it, we like thought he was just going to be a streamer and not really like play. We were yeah, like, oh, yeah, like, like one yeah, he's just going to be a widow one trick, like maybe play like every once in a while. Like he played every game in, in a tournament where they end up winning. Like, uh, and think about Over how striker. much over striker, right? Yeah, yeah, which is uh, wild. Also, uh, you know, after everybody's just kind of passed up on rascal said, he's this, said he's that whatnot. Like they bring in rascal and they're able to make him, obviously last year but now this year really like the focal point of this team yeah so yeah it's pretty crusty my player of the week not really a player but i think he deserves it just to um reassess i guess or yeah. reaffirm in everybody's minds that he yeah. is you, still there. i've got a i've got a question for you though brent if you were to genuinely pick like an mvp of the tournament for each from one. from each tournament yeah, from from Asia and NA. Okay. What would everyone's choices be? I would choose. Because... Okay, I would choose Lip. Hmm. Really? For the Asia side. For the NA I side, I don't feel comfortable saying because I didn't watch the entirety of the tournament. I was gonna yeah, say that's fearless. sort of what happened. I was gonna say fearless or Fleta. Like, is yeah. it a whole tournament or just a final? The whole tournament. Like, I think that just the whole run, and it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be from the top team as well. So. From... Okay, you did you have one, Matt? NA, NA. I want to still say, even though the shock won, I would probably say either Yaki or Gargoyle. Yeah, that's. I agree. I think that the MVP of the North American one was Yaki, in my opinion, because he defined how the team played, and the shock had to play around him, and there wasn't a standout player for the shock apart from maybe Violet, but he had his up and downs throughout as well. I yeah. also think I, I think someone yeah. who really deserves a shout out is Violet, and I don't know if yeah. it was enough to carry carry him through the finish line and get the MVP, but Violet had an enormous impact against the LA Valiant, and then also made the difference against the Florida Mayhem. But I sort of 
I am inclined to agree with Sideshow that Yaki sort of defined who the Florida Mayhem were um, throughout the tournament. And they were yeah. much more pronounced in that way. And I know we talk about damaged players against support players or whatever, oh. but like Yaki's input can't be underrated. Yeah. Uh, so Violet was without question the MVP of the final, like the actual match. Like he was yeah. sick. Yeah, he was he was, really he was our player of the match. He, like you kind of looked at it all, it was crazy. He still plays a very puggy style, though. It's so weird. It's like his Zen, you know, where he used to occasionally overextend for picks and get caught out of position. Like he still puts up ant matrixes for himself and like try and get kills, and he does I'm get picked to, off sometimes while he I'm does it. He plays the same way. He does, yeah. And so they play a very puggy, like crazy they do. style. They do. It's weird, isn't it? Because we normally consider the Shock to be such a tight-knit team, but they've with these newer players of Violet and Ants definitely do play in a loose, individualistic manner. Yeah, maybe that's we, kind we of saw that it's going. We saw mm -hmm. that a few times. I mean, again, like the way Super popped off on Lee Jang Tower, like that's not fundamental. Like, I mean, yes, it is fundamental Overwatch to a sense, but like the hero plays he made, yeah, it was just like me as a Reinhardt main. I was like, oh my god, the place he's pulling off right now. It's like he's entering Nirvana, dude. Like yeah. it's unbelievable to watch. Whereas Shanghai really are fundamentals. They're like yeah. a very much a fundamentals kind of team. Uh, yeah, they've got a lot of individual skill, but I don't feel like they play a puggy, loose style right. at all. But well, that's kind of where I feel like New York's, New York's gotten lost is they can't play a puggy aggressive style, but then they also can't match the fundamentals of any of these other teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I would give it to Fearless and Yaki personally. Yeah. What? What do you? Th did you watch the Asia Games, Johnny? Yet? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I watched. I watched as much as I could because the reality was when I woke up on Sunday, we had already done Friday and Saturday, so we have to recap everything that's gone on. So we had to go through semifinals and seven maps of a final in like two and a half hours so yeah. i tried to watch most of the finals and then sort of like you sort of have to watch everything at like times two speed yeah um so i sort of tried to default to you guys because you were actually there and casted the entire um match Profit was itself. pretty good but, as well. i mean yeah, I mean, you, you, that that's one way you could look at things, like how Seoul Dynasty got three maps against Shanghai and how yeah. they were able to make it to the finals. But ultimately, I think Fearless made an incredible difference for the Shanghai Fucking Dragons. Fucking wild, bro. We're talking so, about yeah. two okay. years Fearless later, we're talking is... about Fearless as a fucking MVP of a tournament. Yeah, Fearless's story is, is so good. What a come up. It's actually the, the, so, also, so good. The fact he played, okay, not in this this finals, but when he played those that game and he wore the Shanghai jersey, had a chip on his shoulder, bro. Yeah, he wanted to win. Yeah, was it when they played Seoul the uh, regular time in the regular season? I think so. Anyway, yeah. let's let's put an end to this. Uh, sorry for the shorter episodes, guys. I mean, what's our length, Kurt? Two hours and one minute. So it might be one of our longest episodes of all time. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Matt, what do you think about Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Orbit, Orbit rocket failing on its debut flight? 